The Protect Your Neck Podcast, UFC 238 Breakdown, Picks, Plays, and whatever else comes our way. Let's go to work. Hot air hangs like a dead man from a white oak tree. People sitting on porches thinking how things used to be. Dark night. It's a dark night Dark night It's a dark night What is up, you savages? This is the Protect Your Neck Podcast, and I am your host, Dan Tom. Analyst is where you can find at MMAJunkie.com, as well as five days a week. Well, not five days a week anymore, but that's autoplay, right, for me, but... uh. As well as, you know, majority of the week there over at MMA Junkie Radio. But on this here program, the Protect Your Neck Podcast, we break down high-level MMA. That's what we're going to do here today, tonight, whenever you're listening to this. Hopefully it's before the fight because we're coming at you early. Uh, this is being recorded, at least this portion of the podcast, uh, on Wednesday night. And I say portion for a breakdown podcast because uh, I'm doing something that I've done before. And I used to do it kind of sprinkling kind of fr- more frequently, maybe I, something I'd like to get to in the future, so I figure, why not do that now? Why not, you know, continue with the theme, bringing someone, you know, new onto the show? And uh, a gentleman who uh, I know from the online uh, Twitter community, the MMA gambling community, if you will, uh, a gentleman who actually popped by MMA Junkie Radio's studio last week, or the other week, I should say, uh, not to timestamp too much, and uh, and chatted a bit, and I, and I said, Kyle, I gotta have you on the show, man. We we got we got to chat things up. Um, I, so Kyle Anthony at Kyle Anthony UFC is joining us for the main card portion today. What is up, Kyle? Hey Dan, how you doing? Everything's good, man. Everything's good. It was nice meeting you out there, and uh, got some sun, and uh, you know, played some bets. Did pretty well out there, so I uh, feel pretty good. Nice, man. Nice. Yeah, yeah. Uh, probably better than myself. I've been getting smashed on, on a couple different fronts, MMA and non, <laughs> the last couple weeks. Yeah. But, but that's neither, well, my, neither, neither here nor there. Mine were uh, mine were more uh, UFC than it was like NBA basketball. So I, uh, you know, I, <laughs> it's a little different. I got you. Yeah, yeah. Though mine too, and we're definitely going to get to that because, as per usual, we're going to do a brief recap of the past event, which is a UFC on ESPN Plus Eleven UFC Stockholm. But uh, just just a little bit more small talk before that, man. Um, in case people aren't familiar, uh, kind of, you know, what's your general background in relation to MMA? How did you get into MMA? And I know MMA is a crazy bug in different ways. Obviously, it led you led you towards setting up a pretty sweet YouTube channel and show <laughs> with the intro graphics and everything. I might say, what's what's the gist? How did you get from point A B to C there? You know, my in the beginning, my thing was really boxing. I mean, I loved the sport. Um, I followed it big time. My my uh, my father was very much into it. You know, the the, the awesome Razor Ruddock, Holyfield, Tyson. You know yeah. that low era. You know that was that was a killer era. That was a killer era. And then I started to kind of gravitate more towards MMA as a whole, and um, you know, started watching. You know, the very beginning, even when you had to get the uh, the VHS tapes. And, and watch them and rent them at like Blockbuster. Uh, you know, I, I watched all of them and I just really fell in love with the sport. I fell in love with that it's 
more of a real fight, in my opinion, and, and that's obviously a, another debate for another time with the boxing community. But, um, you know, it was always just a, something that I really gravitated towards. And the more that I looked at it, the more that I really just started studying it, um, I just found that there was opportunities on the betting perspective side of things. And the more that I looked at it, you know, I, I would bet football. I would bet baseball. And just with, in my opinion, with so many variables, obviously there's a ton of variables in fighting, but there's a, it's, you're breaking down two human beings. When you, when you're breaking down a football game, you got a lineman that may feel sick. Maybe the, uh, the quarterback's arm isn't feeling good. There's so many other uh, things that break down. I just love the sport. And, uh, the more that I've dove into it, the more that I fell in love with it. And now at this point, it's been really, uh, you know, starting my channel, Kyle Anthony's UFC betting show and uh, been having it up for over a year now and have a growing community. And, uh, you know, I want to take it from there and, and kind of see where things go. Well, I dig the intro, man. I dig your setup. It's something I'm actually uh, in, in the process of doing doing right now, uh, trying to get something more aesthetic. I got got my YouTube channel up and, and, and I'm cleared for, you know, uh, lift off and whatnot. But uh, yeah, man, <laughs> it, it's just one of those things kind of, you know, even even the more shoppy shop talk that we're kind of doing off air of you know addresses because i myself people know started off at the mm analyst and certain things you have to change over and i've actually had my youtube channel which can here, here's how lazy i am i've had the youtube channel i think since like late 2016 like i reserved it just because i was like oh the podcast didn't you know happen to like uh or to late 2017 i should say the podcast didn't happen to like the, the you know new year's ufc 207 but the protecting neck podcast obviously the podcast you're listening to i was like that's a pretty cool name i don't want people to get a get a hang of that so before i could you know before i got to the copyright stages and whatnot i was like well i gotta you know reserve the emails and the <laughs> youtubes and whatnot so so yeah man I, i'm slacking but when i see back to yourself though when i see you know people like yourself and and again like many people uh whether they're fans uh, that are just contributors and doing great things or whether they're media people themselves a lot of people have uh have you know have real lives uh real gigs uh that they have to tend to and balance with this 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 madness called MMA and so for <laughs> you to be be doing that man that that's super impressive and also thank you for the kind words on your last UFC Stockholm episode that was that was nice of you sir yeah no 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 it was great it was great you know you know meeting you and and just seeing you in the environment and and being there that's again it's things that I continue meeting guys like you and people in the industry it's it it makes me inspire me as well and and like I said I you know I do every Thursday I'm doing a uh, a show and then every Sunday I'm going over all of my plays so I'm really kind of trying to be as transparent as possible for on my side of things on the betting perspective side of things but in general it's just you know just enjoying what i'm doing and it's time consuming but it's fun at the same time i hear you man well speaking of ufc stockholm and speaking of picks let's let's get to this recap uh uh by the way i, I was looking at your percentages there again you're very transparent and i know people appreciate that as far as people more in the gambling perspective uh, right, side right. of things which will be nice you can help balance me out sometimes i get away from that on here i'm just so deep on the analysis i know that's my brand that's my strength i'm definitely sticking to it but it's nice to have that, but I, uh, but yeah, my, my my pick percentage I think on on the junkie standings right now is like at sixty nine percent. But people, you know, don't understand. It's not like it's not like grade school. That's actually a a pretty decent yeah. score. Even yeah. though even though I hold myself to a high standard, and by the way, mine is not bets. It's a complete different metric than yours. Obviously, yeah. uh, mine is just uh, the junkie standings. Not even based on all picks, by the way. It's just main card picks. Mm -hmm. But like even sixty nine or sixty eight percent is enough to like get me first place or something. Like it's just I mean it, you know for people that know it's like it's it's not too glorified. You got someone coming in whether it's a, a pick percentage or a unit winning mm -hmm. percentage from the betting side and they're 
spouting off, you know, ridiculously high numbers, it's definitely worth right. a raise of an eyebrow. Yeah. Right, right. And, and that thing, sometimes there, sometimes people are doing the fluff with it or they're not counting a certain pick. I mean, last year I was 69%. At the beginning of this year, I was on fire. I mean, I, I couldn't lose. And then I would say the last month and a half, was a tough month. I mean, there was there were some ups, there were some downs, there were some ones that I felt great about that just didn't happen. And even on this card, I had a couple plays here that I guess we'll we'll kind of go over a couple of them. But uh, but it's frustrating and yet yet exciting at the same time. It is, man, and, and that's no, and that's just kind of what makes it fun. And uh, and again, that's no shade on, on on anybody out there. Any of what I was saying before. There's a lot of people that do well or not do well that are, are well oh, worth your time just for just for their perspective man i always say uh, even if you like my perspective you know go get other people's perspective out there and i know that you know that's a lot of other people's mantras too and it's, it's the correct one man and i'm a very non-competitive guy probably uh, to a detriment but i love you know doing stuff like this and, and reaching out to new people uh you know w w within the industry so to speak but hey man speaking of uh bets did you have anything on the main event between uh gustafson and uh anthony smith yeah, so I had Gustafson here, and right. Right. to give my my analysis on this one, for me, I, I really thought that Gustafson was going to do what Gustafson does, you know, kind of move around, bounce around, you know, work it, and I like what he was doing with the leg kicks. I mean, he was doing what he needed to do, where he's always on his bike, moving around, and Smith is scary in that first round, but I thought, honestly... And, you know, the first two to three rounds was all Gustafson. And, and I guess, you know, you, you let me know what you thought there. I, I actually don't even know what the scorecards ended up being if they released those. But uh, I thought Gustafson was up and I was very confused why he would go for that takedown at that point in the fight. You know, I, I thought he was, you know, Smith was slowing down. He was chipping away. He was kind of giving him that front leg flat tire, you know, was looking right, you know, and and, and really Smith was kind of just trailing him and Gustafson has cardio for days so for him to go for that takedown I was very confused and that was exactly what Smith wanted where Smith is going to have some of the advantages there mm -hmm. but it was just in a spot where here I'm like just keep going just just keep doing what you're doing and I think at home he's going to be able to you know squeak out this decision and as soon as he got his back it, it looked like Gustafson didn't have any answer for it so that one was not a winner uh for uh, uh for the Stockholm main event yeah I I didn't play Gustafson but I picked him um and uh and 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 I didn't feel good about it all right I'm not saying anything <laughs> like a braggadocious in hindsight uh, uh again you know Getting picks right or wrong, you know, as far as my job is concerned, you know, and as far as the grand scheme of things, they're really frivolous, man. Uh, anything really can happen in this game. A lot mm. of the times the analysis is on point and the pick is wrong. That's just how kind of crazy this game is. That, that's not too big of a deal for me. I don't get too high, like, for example, if I'm number one or too low, if I miss a pick. But I will tell you this, man. I, I hate getting picks wrong where I pick against a guy that I like. That's the worst. <laughs> and I really like Anthony Smith. Um, I was a defender of his early on, and now he doesn't really need much defenders. He's proven himself to be a top prospect, and that you know, um, even though he's not old, but as far as miles go, that older dogs can learn new tricks and curves, and that's shout and credit to Mark Montoya and Factory X. Um, and I guess even though I was a fan of Smith, and he does have these skills on all ends of the spectrum, it's just putting together, it, putting it together consistently has been his kind of. It, issue if you will in the past mm -hmm. um and uh but, but I, I guess i just underestimated that that you know kind of like i try to remind myself when i'm breaking down a young guy and i'm like okay this is how this match should go and then i kind of look and go, wait this guy's only 23 like 
Does he just come out and look completely different? And you have to remind yourself with the younger guys, but even a guy like Anthony Smith, you know, uh, they're, they're few and far between. It's kind of similar like a Jorge Masvidal. They've been in for, around forever, but it really took them a while to kind of mm. later on to hit their stride. So, and you saw that in this fight, and I don't know if I had him in answer to your question. I don't know if I had Gustafson up. Um, I had the momentum starting to, starting to go his way. But I don't know if that's because I didn't have him up because he wasn't up or because Smith was kind of back to my previous point there, was doing better than I, I thought, you know, with, yeah, his, yeah. with his footwork. And that was another thing I kicked myself, you know. You know, a lot of times we'll kind of knock these out in one takes in the studio. And, you know, you don't go back to watch it or fine-tooth comb, and we send it to our editor. And uh, I remember catching myself though using the word plotty because it sounds very disrespectful and dismissive of Anthony Smith's footwork. But I was just meaning to say that against a guy like Gustafson, who is not only long, but just runs around the cage like crazy, there's a movement kind of, uh, there's going to be an always an inherent movement edge in his favor. And I think that's that's fair on paper. Uh, right. And I think that's what I was kind of trying to say. And I even compared it to Glover Teixeira, a guy who I respect, who's a, a dangerous striker himself, uh, a guy who I'll take shots on as the dog. So it wasn't any disrespect to Anthony Smith, but man, his footwork looks so was one of the main things. And he hit that check left hook. And now, when you look in retrospect, the momentum was probably going Augustus's way because he broke his hand, right? Um, mm. And then, yeah, just that readjustment. I, I tweeted about it on Twitter that he used to take the back. And I actually found myself in a similar position rolling the other day. And one of the only pictures um, that, that actually came out of me from the role was actually in that position. And I was looking at it, and I go, hey, I got to thank Anthony Smith for that because I remember being, being high on the back, reach for the far side underhook, and reset the hips, baby, and just settle in. So, and, he, and it's funny that he, even Anthony Smith, uh, you know, he, he took a little bit of like, you know, uh, it took it to heart that Gustafson retired um, because like, oh, I don't have it anymore. You know, and, and Anthony Smith is like, well, he, are you saying it because I'm a beatable fighter? Like, are you? And then he kind of backtracked and said, well, and, and it was and I got to say, I'm one of those people when I looked at, you know, who he beat. You know, he knocks out Evans. You know, he, he, he knocks out um, a Shogun. And it's like, well, these guys tail end of their career are is are they chinny now? And then, you know, he even said people said he got lucky with um, Ozdemir, which I felt like you know Ozdemir was winning at a point in that fight also and then obviously John Jones is John Jones so he was taking it to heart and a guy like that in his next fight I mean he's going to be even more dangerous even more and he's a hungry 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 fighter but he's going to be even more hungry whoever they put him in the cage with next because he still has that chip on his shoulder even though he just had a title fight and you know he just beat Gustafson and he beat a couple legends he still has that chip so he's going to be dangerous and he's he's still he's got how many fights I mean I mean, what is what was his rating? He's uh, thirty-two and and fourteen. I mean, that's a that's quite the resume for a guy that's uh, thirty. You know? I, I, I agree. I just uh, I, I just hope Anthony Smith doesn't take me picking against him to heart because he's actually the first <laughs> fighter to probably listen to and uh, uh, shout out the Protecting Neck podcast on Twitter. So shouts to Anthony Smith. There, much love to him, regardless of where he Definitely. Uh, goes. Hopefully, he just takes a deserved break. Uh, Coleman event. Well, you know, impromptu co-main event because we lost uh, Alir Latifi uh, and Volkan Ozdemir. Uh, but Alexander Rakic defeated Jimmy Manawa in just what was a scary KO. Head kick happened pretty fast uh, off the lead leg. We all kind of saw it here. What, what, what's your uh, reaction? And were you? Uh, what was your pick? And were you playing? Uh, have any? Have anything uh, laying on this one? Yeah, I had Rakic here, um, and and it was the big thing that for me in this one was 
Manawa and the knockouts that he's taken. And that's obviously that's not even in-depth analysis. That's just flat out what you're kind of seeing. He is a scary puncher. He's got great boxing um, and he's not scared to go toe to toe. And Rakic, with his kicking arsenal, I really liked what I saw with him there. And and I, the, the the fact that I really was more going with that Rakic would look for that front leg kick. I thought that he would really look to soften up. I mean, Jimmy Manoa has on the, on, the, on the skinnier side, I mean, he's built like a truck up top. And he's got a little bit skinnier of the legs. And I thought that with the snapping leg kicks that I've seen from, um, uh, from him in some of the, the footage that I was watching, I thought that he looked really great, even against um, uh, Devin Clark. I thought that when he fought against him, too, that was that early barrage and then the way he was able to come out of adversity. So I thought in this fight he was really going to be able to stand toe to toe with them. And Manawa, I, I did not. I mean, seeing a, a, a kick like that is just incredible the way that he was able to place that. And, and, and as Manawa is moving backwards. But I had um, Rakic here. I thought that he was really going to be able to work it more later in the fight. I thought it was going to be something where I could see a finish maybe in the third round. But obviously, I mean, first round finish was was nice to kind of cash that one in. And, and just move on to the next one. Yeah, man, uh, that rash, that rackage chalk was uh, probably some of the safer chalk. Uh, I thought so on the yeah. card as well, and and uh, yeah, so that that definitely hit. And and yeah, I think this was a fight where I think people expected this performance when he first came on because you look at him on paper, it, you know. Uh, from what I remember, I know it's been been tougher lately, but from what I remember, and I I always do my due diligence for the most part, you know. Uh, Looking up, looking up these guys and whatnot. But from what I remember, is you didn't really get too big of a sample size uh, from on paper to what was available online. So you're expecting this Dutch kickboxer guy that's training at American TT ATT that you know Junior DeSantos brought in to just you know do kind of this performance. And instead, he, he kind of has a really wrestling heavy performance in his first uh, fight or two. And that's when I discovered him, kind of like everybody else. I'm not going to pretend like I fucking you know uh yeah. spotted this guy from far away like but he surprised he surprised he genuinely surprised me because again if you look at it on paper right it's this dutch kickboxer and he's like putting on a heavy pace and showing really good wrestling defensively on f offensively he's got an athletic frame and i'm like man this guy's like uh keeping like a cain velasquez pace and then like in his post-fight speeches he's referencing cain velasquez and kind of that's the idea uh, uh what he wants yeah. to do not not mimic him obviously he's got a much right. more cleaner striking style but as far as putting on a pace and using his athleticism. And, you know, he, he got caught by Devin Clark. But, again, if you look at that shot, like, that was a sh one of those shots. I, I break it down on the last podcast on why it's uh, it's not it's not something you should condemn the guy for. And, and I think he showed that uh, he showed that here. Yeah. Um, yeah. Ne next fight, Makwan Amir Khan defeated Chris Fishko by submission. This was one that was kicking myself again because um, I, I, I was I, – uh, I, I didn't do a, a lot of tape study on this card, and it showed, man. And, in fact, when I put my picks in, I was late. I woke up because I was a whole day behind, and I was like, oh, fuck, I'm late because uh, it was the whole <laughs> Memorial Day. And I was just like, uh, I thought Chris Fishkull was Mike Grundy. And, and to be fair, they're both bold Liverpudlians, so I don't know. <laughs> Boch. Um, you know, so like, and like, and like, but like, but if it was Grundy, I, I would have stuck to the pick because Grundy was a southpaw on the feet with heavy hands. Uh, you know, Mach 1 people are kind of suspicious of his chin, though. I don't think it's that big of a deal. Uh, and, but more importantly, he had wrestling, and that was the difference. Even though Fishgold has decent wrestling and was a black belt, um, I, 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 you know, I, 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 I even said it on the podcast. I'm, like, I'm sticking to my guns because I submitted the pick, but just letting you all know that. Makwan's probably going to take over uh, as this fight goes on, and that's what that's what happened. Uh, I stayed I stayed the f away from it. What about you? 
Yeah, I took I took Amir Khani, um, very small. This was not anything anything too exciting of a bet. But I uh, and the reason I liked what he did against Jason Knight. Um, I thought that that was a good showing from him. I thought that overall, I think that he has a lot more skill set than I feel like he doesn't really get much credit. Like I feel like people really overlook. Just I think as the community, I think overlook um, um, uh, Amir Khani overall. Um, I think his skill set's great. I think that even when he when he fought against uh, Arnold Allen, I thought that was although it was a split decision, I, that was a very close fight. And I like Allen. I think his skill set's great too. Right. So I think I think that overall, I think that. That was just a pick for me that I threw in there because I just like him overall and I feel like he's an underrated fighter. Although, you know, you take a look at what he's done. I mean, you know, he's only been in the UFC for a handful of fights. But I, I think that his next fight will be it will, I think will get him a little bit more out there, a little bit more exposure out there. Yep, yep. Uh, and then finishing up the main card, Christos Yagos defeated Demir Hadzovic, who I'm a huge fan of and he just looked awful. And I think I was <laughs> like uh, doing some things in transit. So I really didn't catch too much of this fight. Uh, I'm going to have to go back and watch it for, for their future fights for sure at the very least. But Daniel Timor defeated Sung Bin Jo uh, by this unanimous decision. That, that, that was the loser for me. And I had, uh, I had uh, Sung Bin Jo. Okay. And uh, this was another one of the plays I had. And, and this one, I really thought that Timor, you know, lo- losing his last three, his fighting style – I really thought that these two would stand toe to toe in the middle and they would brawl it out. I thought that they would, and I thought the arsenal and just the weapons that um, Sunbin Joe has, I thought that he would, he just was not throwing. He just did not throw much. He did, I, I was very confused on what he was doing, and Tamor didn't have to do very much. I mean, he just, was chasing him basically the entire fight, and it almost felt like um, some Big Joe never really got never really got the sweat going, never really just got rent. Like he, I felt like he was more in a sparring session. I mean, it was his debut, so maybe it was the moment was too big for him. I'm not sure, but everything that I saw in the past, he's nine and zero, and then six of those wins are first round knockouts, and then he hardly threw a punch in the first two rounds. So it was it was just very weird to see him like that. Maybe he was overwhelmed, but uh, but that you know, was definitely a loser. You know that's. That's funny you say that because I now that I'm remembering it, yeah, I remember that he was kind of just he went into a shell at a certain point, yeah. right? He didn't really come out. And uh, you look at the betting line, and it may have been an ill-advised betting line. It always is when you ever have a rough sample size. And it's not like yeah. Korea has terrible fighters or anything like that. They're again, if we're actually stereotyping the Asians, they're some of the biggest, strongest, boldest jawed, toughest. You know, during the LA riots, they're the motherfuckers going up on the roofs with the guns. You know what I'm saying? They they're they're staking their claim. They they don't fuck around. Uh, but so so but but it's always a dangerous bet, right? Whereas Timor, even though he definitely fought cans and uh, was he just you know of course got to just demolished when since he's been into the UFC, a very I could totally see how you you or someone else would take that take that shot there, right? Um, but which makes me curious, I saw Joey Joe Joey O uh, tweet out. Uh, Looks like, I forget what it was, but he said something along the lines where it looks like Sung Bin Joe got that, uh, I forgot, oh fuck, that, that Leo Kuntz, uh, that Bang Kuntz uh, treatment. Do you remember that? Do you remember the, <laughs> yeah. do you remember the, the story of this fight, uh, Kyle? Uh, yeah, yeah, I do. This is going back to 2015, late 2015. Uh, I forget what UFC fight night it was, but it was Benson Henderson, which was supposed to be Thiago Alves, but ended up being Jorge Masvidal. And uh, it was everybody knew this fight before it, it already had attention because it was when the UFC first started doing those graphics where they would just have the last names back to back, you know, like Gustafson Smith, right? 
and they did right. bang and they did bang cunts, and you're like, come on, you matchmakers, <laughs> we know, we know what you're up to, and that was kind of like a viral thing. And, They're like, it worked, it worked, <laughs> right? And it was kind of a competitive fight on paper, kind of like a shit show fight because. Leo Kuntz was kind of do or die. You didn't know much about him, but he trained at a, at a decent camp. Let's see where he goes. And uh, Hardcore is new about the Korean cowboy there, uh, Taehyung Bang. Uh, and he's always was just a fucking wild man. So it was kind yeah. of a close fight, but, but Taehyung Bang was kind of the deserved favorite. And uh, all of a sudden you just like start to see – and here, here's where it's relevant uh, – it's pretty obvious for people to figure out, Kyle, but the sports book we were s- sitting in and hanging out in, which will go unnamed, someone in said sports book may or may not have been one of the people to tip that off. That it may or may not have been the site where the line shifted. Uh, a Japanese gentleman in particular may or may not have brought up a suitcase of uh, yeah. 80 Gs or somewhere along the neighborhood of those lines. To, to, wow. to, to lay that 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 the that the Korean was going to lose, and uh, there was a bunch of talk. The line movement sparked a bunch of talk on Twitter. Um, there was an investigation post this fight, and and I actually didn't follow up. But what happened? But I think they found out there was foul play, and uh, you, and he came up and Taehyung Bang came out, and it was funny. He did a mix of what Sung Bin Joe did, but then also fought his ass off. He just went out like. Swinging because it was just, it was almost just like I'm gonna show that I'm not gonna take a dive. I'm gonna swing like I want to knock this guy out, but I'm also gonna swing so recklessly that I want to knock this guy out that there's a good chance that hopefully he knocks me out at the same time. <laughs> so he's swinging at these big shots that are like, oh man, he's really trying to take this guy's head off. But the emotion is, please knock me out, please knock me out, please knock me out. If you go back and watch that fight. Please <laughs> connect, connect. So, so now that I brought that up, maybe, maybe that that might put a little bit more of a different taint on Timor versus Sung Bin Joe for you. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, possibly, possibly. <laughs> anyways, anyways, not to go down that. I'm gonna just we're gonna reel these off so we can get to the 238 main card here. I'm just gonna name off a couple results, and uh, you weigh in for me, Kyle, uh, and I'll weigh in too. Of course, we had Sergey Kondazoko Honda defeating uh, Rostam. Achman, the hairy sweater, the hairiest man since uh, the hairiest fight since uh, Gonzaga Yurokin by unanimous decision. Lena Landsberg defeated Tanya Evinger by unanimous, unanimous decision. And Leonardo DeSantos somehow does it again. Uh, knocks out Stevie Ray by KO, ruining my one dog play. Anything to say on those three, sir? Yeah, you know what? I had Stevie Ray too. Um, I was, I was kind of surprised there. But Stevie Ray, I mean, he, he's – there's got to be a point he's going to – things are going to click for him. There's, there's just going to be a point, but I had him as well. Yeah, man. Uh, all, all lines were there, but kind of like um, – is it uh, uh, Brass, <laughs> Brass Chuck there on Twitter said uh, – he said, you know, I gave, I gave – he says, I gave up trying to guess Leonardo Santos fights, uh, analyze them years ago. He just shows up and wins or something along those lines. Well, yeah, it's pretty true. This guy just shows up every couple in the years, and so I tweeted afterwards. My now he will return to the forest with a little game. Yeah, of yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> like, crazy. Fucking I mean, just, what? Twenty sixteen, I guess, was the last one he fought. I insane. mean, insane. Yep, yep. Now some random card in fucking England. Uh, <laughs> but uh, and then okay, we had Frank Camacho defeat Nick Hine uh, by TKO. Nick Hine would retire. Bea Malecki uh, got the win, the somewhat hometown girl, over Duda, San- Duda. Duda Santana by submission. Uh, Devin Clark uh, defeated Darko Stosic by decision. I had that, that, that fight would not go the distance, and sure enough, it did. 
So we got Devin Clark's uh, dad yelling the whole time. All right, Devin, come on, Devin, yeah. Uh, and uh, <laughs> and uh, the, and the and lastly, Yoel Alvarez defeated uh, Daniel Danilo Bellardo. I don't even know if I even watched that fight by TKO. Yeah, no, I, I stayed away. The, the, the bottom of the card, I stayed away from. I I totally stayed away from. I, I I I caught as much as I could there, but I did not bet any of those. I almost bet Frank Camacho. And then I and of course he wins and I, and then you 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 know you start beating yourself up. But that was uh, exactly where I was at on that card. The read ended up being exactly correct too. <laughs> yeah, I was like, oh, I'm like, I'm like, he's got. I I thought he looked great. I mean, oh, I yeah. mean, just his shape. He looked amazing. And and when I when I watched the weigh in, I said, man, this guy's coming to fight. I mean, he is definitely coming to fight. And man, I I just didn't place it. Yeah, same here, man. All right, well that that. Uh, rounds up UFC Stockholm, UFC and ESPN plus 11. Let's move on to this little card. I say lightly, obviously. UFC 238. It's been quietly stacked. And uh, there were some injury rumors. I, I, just as I tweeted too, like I did the same thing for UFC 225, which I thought was the most stacked card last year. Also the Chicago card, right? So they're really giving Chicago love, by the way. Shout out to Hal and the other junkies that are going out there. But, uh, but yeah, man, they, they're really giving love to the Chicago card. I tweeted a similar tweet. It was, uh, you seen Predator, Kyle? Was yeah, yeah. It, it's like I, when, when these cards are so stacked, I'm like, oh, God, I, I get nervous because the weigh-ins are approaching and fight week where all the pullouts, the injuries happen. Oh. Mm-hmm. The, the MMA gods peek their heads. And it all, it, I was saying it, the, every day until this Saturday – Ladies and gents, it's going to feel like the, the end fight scene of Predator where, where, where Schwarzenegger <laughs> is disguised in the mud and he's just kind of keep, trying to keep quiet and still. And the Predator is like scanning the area, giving hey, God's looking for the fight, you know? <laughs> Please, everybody, be okay. That's it. That's all you, you just, just get there. Get, get to the there. chopper. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so, uh, but, uh, so, well, so, Hudo, um, there was a report that he screamed and this and that. He actually admitted to hurting his knee, but he said he just banged it and was kind of vague about it and then started doing jumping jacks and workouts uh, and all, all that. So I guess he's okay, but uh, he is the flyweight champion moving up to face Marlon Moraes, the sitting bantamweight contender. And right now, Marlon Moraes is your favorite at minus 135 with the comeback on your dog, Cejudo, plus 115. Did you catch any of that, that, that those rumors uh, before you get into your thoughts of the fight, Kyle? I heard a little bit. I mean, I, I didn't really – because what they showed, it looked like he was okay. But then, like, I mean, of course, the first thing they're going to do is they're going to they're gonna start shooting that all over the, uh, the, the you know, headlines. And it's going to start, you know, you know, getting people – but I, I think it's okay. But that definitely does make you think before you start placing your bet when, uh, you know, what's going to be happening now of, like, is he 100%? Of course, that's going to mean everything. And Suhudo, there's no way something – unless it's something really, really serious – is pulling out of this fight. This is, you know, too massive for him. So, I mean, it'll be interesting to see the lead up. I would like to think so, but then there's also this, and I, it's nothing new, but I was reminded of it when, as I always am reminded of many things when I do my research. I have to break back into these guys, but Cejudo has a long history of pulling out of fights, and that's before the UFC. Mm-hmm. Um, and a lot of people are like, it's weight cut related because he was having trouble making weight and this and that. And um, I don't know if he comes off as much of a perfectionist as someone else on the main card who we'll get to talk to here in a second, but. I would not be surprised if he is one of those guys who really likes things to be pretty damn close to perfect uh, before he gets in there. You know, he's a gold medalist. He has a, a prestiged uphold. As much as it may people, make people cringe the way he describes himself, 
there is a certain kind of ego about that. That's the reason why black belts and the gi are kind of boring because no one wants to get submitted. So they're just, you know, there's some, there's a certain prestige to levels that can translate that way. You have to protect it, right? And uh, so I guess that I guess there's that that could be worrisome. But um, yeah, we'll see how that plays out. I think it's. I, I I I don't think it's anything too crazy. I wasn't trying to be a gossip spreader. I, I even hate kind of tweeting on, even if it's comical on things like that. But I couldn't help myself. What do you think about the line though, here, Kyle? What do you th- what do you think about the line? I think the line's where it should be. Um, you know, it, it's it, you know coming up in weight. That's always going to be the biggest question. You know what's you know what's going to be happening here. But I, I really feel like the first thing with Cejudo is the fact that that loss to DJ uh, to Demetrius Johnson was. Such it really ignited him. I feel like I mean, looking at what he is now to that fight, I mean, he looks like a completely different fighter. He's elevating after every fight. You can tell even his body is. Changed. It looks like he's he's taking the right steps. I mean, obviously he's a you know a, a Olympic champion, but I just feel like you just see the hunger that happened after that loss. That he's so he. I guess he's you know he's probably been on the top of the game in the in the wrestling world for so long. For him to take a loss, I mean, he he kind of felt like he was going to walk into that fight and just beat him. Like he just well, I'm I'm going to wrestle him to the ground, and then he wasn't able to do that, and he realized wow it's it's mma i, I gotta be good at everything and since then i mean even even beating um demetrius johnson and then also beating um a dillashaw i mean the dillashaw fight obviously you know him with the pds whatever was going on whatever the hell he was doing but um that you know i like his explosiveness you know and, and when i was looking at this fight and breaking a, a lot of the things down and what he was doing i mean obviously Marice, you know he, you know he's got the elite kickboxing ko power you know his reaction time is like off the charts when he's trying to throw those leg ki- uh, throw the uh, throw the uh, the kicks and also where who he's beat it's been pretty impressive also. I mean, you know, you know, Sterling, uh, Jimmy Rivera, a Sun Sao, and then, you know, he beat Dotson. But, uh, you know, I think when I'm looking at this fight, I mean, I, I think the explosiveness of Cejudo is going to be a difference maker. Um, you know, obviously he's not going to want to sit there and he's not going to want to stand with with Marais and and trade shots. But it's going to be interesting to see because Marais has never really faced an elite wrestler. So obviously, pseudo coming up in weight, what does that do to his cardio? How, you know, there's obviously a lot of variables there. But I think that having a, a, a fighter of his caliber really starting to p- put some things together, I think that he comes in close. I think that explosiveness and that first step that he can get, he's not going to stand with them. I think that he's going to be able to wrestle him to the ground. I'm not sure if you think that, you know, he's going to he's going to get him down or not. But I like um, Cejudo here, and I, obviously it's going to be interesting to see what I'm. I always like to see first. Also, is to see some of the weigh-ins, see how their bodies are, see how they're shaping up. But the they both are, you know, chiseled to the gills. These two guys. I mean, they're they're as in shape as it gets as a vanity side of things. But I I think that Cejudo can get it done. I, I think that he is very determined. Has Marais even been in a position like this yet? Um, you know, a big fight for him, and this is you know where. Suhudo has now been in a, a, a few of them, and you know, a, a super fight per se with Dillashaw beating uh, Demetrius Johnson, facing him prior to that. So it's interesting to see how these guys match up. But I, I think Suhudo gets the job done. Uh, it's not crazy, man, and the line would certainly uh, agree with you. And I, I, yeah, I like that you mentioned the physiques because it's true. Suhudo's definitely been taking some steps, and, uh, doing it the right way. I hope so. I hope he is. Right, right. But I mean, you're, he's- 
totally different. You're right, yeah. You're right about that trajectory. And you're also right about the skill trajectory, too. He is taking legitimate jumps up. This has been something that's consistent, which is, you know, a a reason why, you know, um, I really went into this really skeptical on what side I'm going to end up on when I go on. I try to, I mean, ideally, I want to be that way. I want to go in at zero at baseline. Um, in all my analysis, but we all have biases, and that's something you have to admit, right? Um, yeah. But yeah, I, I was very hesitant, actually, for either side. And I've been a big Marlon Marais supporter. I even took him over guys that I claimed to be a dark horse at one point or another. Another guy, again, I probably just referenced the same guy. We'll talk about him later on in the card. Um, so it, there's nothing new there. But yeah, uh, UFC experience is strange. You know, Marais has had main events, but it's been like in Utica, New York, or something really small yeah, level, yeah. where it's like... So Huda, you know, he's been at the higher level, but at the same time, outside the UFC, Marlon had a lot of five-round fights. Granted, they were WSOF, they weren't big things, but he'd be young in his career facing guys like Miguel Torres, who, you know, kind of carry that reverence and that name. So I think he's had these kind of commensurate tests, and he's really well built for five rounds. The five-round aspect I like, and, you know... Mm. Even though guys like Marlon Moraes, they're very, he is like your typical Brazilian man, like, oh, Marlon House Camp, man, I work <laughs> hard, I train hard, you know? And like, it's very, you're gonna do the same shit, but that's a really good thing because that, you know, that guy's not burning any extra calories to do any fucking media. That guy doesn't no. care, give a shit about what he looks like on the embedded videos, you know? <laughs> yeah. Like, he doesn't, he's not wasting those calories. They're, they're not concerns for him, so. Um, I, I don't think those are a bad thing. And, and yeah, I mean, you know, and to be fair, I mean, he looks back to the, you know, bot physique mark. I mean, he looks like, uh, this is more for Dragon Ball Z heads there, but he, if Kirillin could go to Super Saiyan 2 and just like puff up even more, like that's exactly who it looks like. A real action Kirillin there. Is. He is. <laughs> and it's crazy. I mean, and even, and also with him at, at, uh, alpha male, I mean, that's, that's gonna, that's gonna be interesting to see, you know, what, what they, uh, what they bring to the table against a wrestler. Uh, so, um, Marais? Yeah. Oh, he he did some of his camp at Alpha Male? I should know this, right? I thought that he did, right? I thought that he did. That Uh-oh. he was that he was just working with, um, I'm sorry, I, did, I said him. I mean, Frankie Edgar. I said Alpha Male. I meant with Frankie Edgar. Oh, yes, yes, sir, yes, sir. Yeah, no, yeah, that's his normal camp. Yeah, no, that, that and that's what I got to imagine, you know? But it goes, it comes down to the wrestling, though. I'm, I'm picking Marais here. Uh, my breakdown hasn't dropped yet. It should be dropping uh, the day this is recorded. It might be being dropped right now. But um, I am—I actually am taking Marais, and I'll, I'll tell you why in a second. But to kind of address why the line is close and your pathway to victory, why it's, that's very plausible, and I think that's what your your head has to be if you're a Cejudo supporter here is the wrestling question. <laughs> For one reason or another, whether it be destiny, design, or luck, Marais hasn't had a a fighter not since his earlier career, which you can't judge him on. He kind of got thrown in with the wrong guys, wrong weight classes early on. Yada yada. He's one of these guys we just talked about. They mature. They get. They mature like wine. They're very rare in the sport. I will say Marais is probably going to be one of those guys. Um, but uh, if you look at it, he really hasn't faced a guy that put a wrestling heavy agenda on him in quite some time. The only guy on paper that really could have was. Aljamain Sterling, and unfortunately that fight did not last long, and we saw what happened, uh, the, the two takedowns that he went for. Marais um, immediately went for a heel hook, something he's done since like WSOF. It works well on wrestlers who leave their legs behind, and he's really smart. He doesn't go for the heel hook for the submission. He goes for it because it creates a scramble, allows him back to his feet. I think that's going to be your strongest thing for a guy like Henry Cejudo, 
uh, because if you try to play him up top, fight his grips, Henry's got that pressure game. He throws a shoulder in you, you know, and he'll just pin control time like he did in that second Demetrius Johnson fight. Uh, so Marais has answers down there, but uh, more importantly, you know, you know, we saw what happened on the second one. You can run into knees, kicks that are meant as knees, and so <laughs> forth. And Marais's layer of takedown defense, the initial layer, the footwork, it's so goddamn good. Yeah, that, that, it's, is, it, that it, is. It's hard for guys to set up their chains, which is, makes me curious because most of Cejudo's takedown attempts and score takedowns up until his last two to three fights have all been not just in the clinch but against the fence and against guys like Johnson and uh, – well, we didn't really see it in the TJ fight, but in his, against guys like Johnson in the rematch, we saw him having to really you know, use his timing and level-changing ability. And he was able to get in on a guy like Johnson as fast as he is. However, and this isn't a knock, but he would have to chain off to something first because he has to get to that clinch. So <laughs> it wasn't like a typical, like, I'm Chael Sonnen and I'm going to run forward and blast you with a double leg. It wasn't like Tyron Woodley, I'm going to let you come to me, then I'm going to level change and run through you with the double leg. It was, I'm going to duck, change my level, but I'm going to grab onto your, I'm going to do a little ankle pick, and then I'm going to climb up to your calf, and then he goes from the calf to the knee, up to the hip, and then he get, climbs his way into the clinch, and then from the clinch he pushes him into the fence, and then he chains off, and he gets the takedown from there. There's like four or five steps that have to happen before he mm. gets takedowns on these higher level, smaller, mobile mobile guys. So a guy like Marlon Marais, who has layered defense from his footwork, which by the way, Cejudo is, is faster than people expect, and he should be the faster guy on paper, but the ironic thing is... Marias is a bigger bantamweight uh, that he's facing, yet Marias will not only be the bigger man and big for the weight class, there are a few guys that can contend with him on speed, and he, I actually think he's going to be faster than Cejudo. So he's got to get past those layers, plus you know the takedown defense and then the scrambling, which kind of back to your point, Kyle, working with Frankie Edgar, I got to be... I got to imagine um, it gets better when you're making the wrestling rounds at Rutgers and, and with Frankie Edgar in the, in the room with uh, Mark Henry and company too. So um, that's going to be interesting. I, th- there's theories both ways. You know, at the end of the day, if if it, the, in that first round, if we see Cejudo take him down and able to hold him down, that is real bad news for anybody supporting um, right. Marlon Marais. But ultimately the reason why, even though that, that, legit, that, that threat is legitimate and it has me worried because I actually put money and I'll tell you where – um, I took Marlon Marais because of one thing. From early in Cejudo's career to even later, his kicking defense has been poor. Um, he's gotten better at kicks and throwing them since working with CSA and Muay Thai. But he's still, again, he bronze gloves boxing. Boxing is his base. And he actually went a little less Muay Thai and even more karate stance because he's been working with the Pitbull brothers. We saw it from the Wilson Hayes fight, which was beautiful. And I think that stance is going to serve him well here because the the only people that have given Marlon Marais trouble is people who can counter. Josh Hill and WSOF, Rafael Asuncao, and those were kind of more stouter dudes. Um, Cejudo actually could have a good chance if he plays that game, but that stance that he takes, whether it's the boxing stance, the karate stance, or the in-between, he doesn't check leg kicks that well. We saw a very not hard at all leg kick land by Demetrius Johnson. Uh, that was messing him up, and Demetrius Johnson was scoring those. Unfortunately for Demetrius Johnson, the judges didn't score, seemingly score any of his kicks. But the fact is, those kicks were landing. And not only that, not only Demetrius Johnson, who landed two 
left head kicks off the lead side, the same left head kick Marlon yeah. Marais knocked out Jimmy Rivera with. But Cejudo's been hit with head kicks a couple times in his career, but he's got such goddamn durability and a big head, he's able to take them. That being said, I don't whether it's the, your legs, your durability, your pressure, or your big head and chin. Like I don't know if you Marlon Mar- Marais. I shouldn't say that. He is the last guy I would argue in the bantamweight division you want to gamble on your du- durability to kicks with. So mm-hmm. unless he sharpens up his leg defense, I honestly see Marlon Marais either knocking him out or rocking him, forcing him to shoot, and then getting the guillotine a la Sun Sal. So I actually. I actually took some uh, some plus money here. Uh, yeah, the number on on just Marais inside the distance. I'm not saying anybody should jump off the cliff. If it's people are taking the money line, if you're playing a money line side, I, I definitely don't hate you taking the dog here. Um, but yeah, I, I, I took uh, Marais inside the distance plus 137. I, I don't know if he's gonna if he wins, it's gonna be inside the distance. Yeah. Uh, I just don't know if it's gonna be by uh, you know TKO or KO. Uh, but yeah, if, if 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 that first round happens though, and, and Cejudo just gets one takedown uh, fairly easily and is able to hold him for a little bit, it's going to be a long night. But I do agree though. If he if he wins, it's inside the distance, and that's that's a great plus money play just on that alone. Is if you know he I I, he, I don't see a five round out striking him kind of thing i think he just he either goes in there and kind of blows him away in the middle rounds or cejudo kind of works his way and kind of grounds and pounds and you know and wrestles his way to a victory so yeah that, that's that's probably that's definitely the right play in my opinion if you're if you're a marais um, supporter cool well that'll be that'll be interesting one man uh, i'm glad to get some deciphering opinion uh, you know d- differing opinions here this is uh, uh this is this is really good and, and good for the listeners i hope uh, or i imagine so uh, unless you have anything more to say on that, do you want to jump to the co-main event? Yeah, that sounds good. All right. We got Valentina Shevchenko as a slight favorite. Just kidding. A big favorite. <laughs> Minus 1,300, which surprisingly, that's gone down. Uh, and uh, Jessica I plus 850. Um, opinions on uh, – uh, I guess where you're going to uh, – what, what side you're going to pick here. But what's your opinion on the line as you tell us your opinions on this fight? I mean, I mean, I mean, even looking at it, I mean, the line is crazy. I mean, I think that this is way out of whack. Uh, you know, it's it, without a doubt should be closer. Um, I, I'm not even sure how it gets there, even as a linesman. I mean, I feel like they just obviously they just don't want you to bet it. Um, I, I mean, to me, I obviously am favoring big time Shevchenko uh, overall, you know, I mean, with their, you know, counter striking. I, I just can't even even looking back, I can't really find a full on. I think it's going to be a harder fight regardless than than the linesman they're saying. But I can't find a real path to victory for Jessica. Um, I, I don't, I, I get it where she, you know, she's looked good in her last three fights and she's talking about wrestling and she's, you know, trying to go that that's, you know, she's been in an interview I saw recently, she's very transparent about it. And, um, you know, and I'm a fan of hers and she seems like a great person and just kind of the way that she carries herself. And it's just, I, I can't see Shevchenko really allowing that to happen. I think that she's, she's a kind of another person that, very well-rounded. I think that she beats her in all categories. I mean, overall, um, and it's not a, it's not one that I'm going to be placing money on. But for somebody that their only real losses 
are to, you know, Amanda Nunes in the UFC. That's that's pretty scary that that that's the only person that she's, you know, and, and arguably they were close. I mean, the, the last one was very tight. So I, I just I can't see it. I thought that she looked really good against Jessica Rose Clark. Um, and, and she's definitely had some nice, nice spots. And I just don't really see it happening. I think if she does the wrestling and and she's able to try to get inside on her and, and try to work it, maybe there's a possibility for her there. But in a five round fight, I just don't see where she's able to really leverage herself to a path to victory here. So, I mean, obviously, Valentina has so many weapons. Her arsenal is, you know, without a doubt, you know, I feel like it's endless the way that she's able to really be very creative in there. So I like Valentina here, but I mean, I'm not telling you anything that you don't know. But even off of her last fight against um, Ioana, I mean, that was just a great fight for her, too. And this is going to be a completely different type of fight, uh, the way that she's going to have to be defensively. But I, I think, you know, Shevchenko, she's just such a beast. This is a great weight class for her. And I think she's someone that's going to be dominating for a while here. Yeah, I agree. And and that's that's cool that you give some love to Just Guy as well. Because I think people, you know, I don't think. I know people give her a hard time. I know, especially with Cejudo and even Ferguson to a certain extent on the card, the Tito Ortiz and the cringes and the quoting yeah. of fighters and, and I, don't get me wrong the, the, these people definitely say some funny stuff from time to time whether it's on purpose or not but uh but you know she i think she gets kind of a tough rap and thankfully sometimes we see these narratives that have nothing to do with fighting uh enter our our world in regards to the betting lines and if you've been a just guy supporter since she's dropped down a flyweight she's probably made you yeah. some money um I, I know i took a shot on her in her last fight against caitlin shukagan a fighter who I'm high on and who is always going to kind of be a perennial contender just for her volume, regardless of whether you like her style or not. Um, so, uh, yeah, I've got nothing but love for Jessica. I, it was really difficult. The, the, the prediction video, it's going to probably sound awful to an extent because like our biases are all over the place. You know, Shevchenko is, 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 you know, maybe not everybody's cup of tea, but like is, is admittedly my favorite female fighter. Uh, she she has ties to Peru, which my co-hosts uh, are tight with her because of that. But then Jessica, oh, I come to Extreme Couture, uh, being tight with uh, Eric Nixick, who you know is uh, is like family to me and whatnot, and 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 whatnot, you know, puts me you know puts me in a weird position, you know. <laughs> yeah, and it's yeah. like it's like I can't just be picking and homering every time. I got a job to do as an analyst, and and then she comes in the day we're going to record the prediction video. We actually have her in studio that day, so it's like oh, oh now we got to turn around and like. <laughs> do this video where we're all picking against her after we're all like buddy but and you know and this is why the media gets these like oh look at you you guys just want access you, you just backstabbers and blah blah it's like <laughs> no man we're human beings and when good people come to us and we're doing our job it's hard not to like those good people but at the same time we, we have jobs like many human beings and a part of that job is we have to make a pick Back to the Anthony Smith Gustafson thing. Doesn't mean I disrespect them. Doesn't mean right. to disrespect their skills or as a person. I love Anthony Smith and I've long defended his skills. But it's just one of those unfortunate things. And that to me is what I don't you know, obviously I'm picking Shevchenko, the betting line's ridiculous. But that is probably what is polluting my take and and um enjoyment for this fight. And you know what? And, it, and it's funny because even and, and this is kind of going off, I guess, a little off track, but but it's even going back to, you know, when Khabib fought Connor, you know, and, and I did I, I I did bet Khabib, but it was like if you bet Khabib, you had to hate Connor. Like, people yes. thought oh, how yeah. it had to be. They're like, oh, I'm like, I don't hate the guy. I'm like, I, I have actually, you know, I bet him. I so don't bet him, and I just watch him. He's 
entertaining. He's great for the sport. Like people. And then if you like Connor, you got to hate Khabib. It's like, yeah. it's like, even the way I look at it. And, and, and obviously with, when you do your analysis and it's the same type of thing, it's like, I'm, I'm taking my emotion or who I like, or like, I don't, I don't wish bad things on any of these people. It's like, I believe this person will win and this is the way I look at it. And this is the way I'm breaking it down. And, and it's funny. And even after it, you know, obviously after that fight, it was like, Khabib won and I'm, Hey, I'm happy. I cashed a ticket and everyone's like, Oh yeah, he smashed them. And, and I'm, and it's just funny that they were keep going with it because the people hated Connor so much, the, 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 the Khabib supporters. And it's just crazy how that gets that way. So yeah. to your it's kind of how it goes. That was funny, man. I remember just being me and everybody else being sick of Connor and the proper twelve and everything by the time the fight came around. But then it would be like four months later, and then there's still people like just trying to rub it in the face that they bet and pick Khabib, and you're like, dude, that was like yeah. months ago. Like, what? Are, can can <laughs> yeah. we move on? Like, we get it, get it. All right, you like a guy who's undefeated and champion. Congrat, you were yeah. very, you were very sharp, my friend. Right. Keep like, keep telling that horn because there weren't a lot of people that were backing Khabib. No one knew about that guy. Yeah. <laughs> like I don't know what he was. <laughs> right. And then even people, even people, even on my channel, were like, you know, people arguing a little bit, like, oh well. And then and then even in his next fight, they're like, oh, remember what he did to Connor? And I'm like, but that that's like, I mean, it's it's a part of an analysis, but it doesn't mean again that you got to like hate Connor. It's right. just, it's just funny how people, you know, they 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 just really like gravitate towards that negativity part of it where I'm like, listen, I, I hope when Connor comes back, I hope he wins. Maybe I'm going to, you know, who, who knows? I, I'd love to see him back in the sport, whatever, whenever he comes back. But it's just funny how people start pulling those kind of, those kind of strings and it kind of, kind of goes off track of what really is going on. Yeah, totally. And tying it back into a previous point slash back to this fight uh, between I and Shevchenko is that, yeah, uh, we, we see that volatility play itself back into the betting lines too because I don't know what you think about the, those Poirier-Nurmagomedov lines and I'm not even mm-hmm. going to tell you where my lean is or my pick. I'm not there yet. But I will tell you that I, I don't know if it should be that wide and I don't know if it wouldn't be that wide if there wasn't this just months and months of Khabib smash, Khabib smash, Khabib smash mm-hmm. uh, hype, hype going on and, and we're going to see that line continue to climb and I, I don't know if... Uh, uh, I, 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 you know, even if I do end up picking Khabib, I don't, I don't, I don't know if Dustin Poirier should be, uh, should be get. I think he should be getting more respect than that. But neither here nor there. Yeah, that, that line does seem wide, and I think it already jumped, didn't it? it didn't did. it already? Oh, it jumped fast. And yeah, people, and people, people were calling it a gift at like my, from the minus three to five hundred range, like, like, like you're betting on Mayweather, like this is boxing. Yeah. I mean like, that's whoa. yeah that's crazy and and and, poor, and, I, and that, that's another one and not again not to go off track but Poirier I'm a huge fan of Poirier and and my lean if I had to just throw it out I of course would I like Khabib but the li- I mean the line if it just keeps going up it doesn't even make sense to take Khabib you know exactly. it goes you know it starts to say well what are we what are we, what's the implied probability of money pl- that plus what you're putting down it starts to not make sense and then it makes me say hey put, you got to have some exposure on Poirier. Right. Well, uh, to, to tie up on this big favorite, I am going to take the big boxing favorite in Shevchenko. But kind of, kind of to what you're saying, like what angle do you take there? I don't even know because I could see a finish, but at the same time, I is very durable, uh, is very durable and whatnot. So like, and Shevchenko can you know has act, have activity lulls, and uh, I pretty much just said the breakdown is the odds are way off. You can cut them in half at least, and then if this the fight goes to decision, you can cut those odds that you just cut in half into half mm-hmm. again and that's where your odds should be it's going to be a lot closer it'll be the two to 
two to th- it should be a two to three to one spread, especially if this thing goes to decision. Uh, that's how much closer it should be, in my opinion. But uh, obviously, I cannot back, uh, can't go against Shevchenko, so I'll, I'll take her here. And I stayed away from overs, unders inside the distance. It all smells fishy to me. Yeah, yeah, no, no, I'm I'm not in any of those. All right, the real main event, baby. Tony Ferguson <laughs> minus one forty, Donald Cerrone plus one twenty. What do you think of the line, and what do you think of this fight, Kyle? Uh, you know, I mean, this is another one I, I feel is in the right spot again. I, I think that it's it's fair where the line is, is pretty much overall. But, you know, I was very much down on Donald Cerrone going into his fight against Mike Perry. You know, it was kind of, you know, is this this is the swan song for for Donald Cerrone? You know, it, he seems unmotivated. You know, he, is he getting you know, is, is he really lacking overall that that, um, you know, the drive to, to go for a title? And once he you know, and, and even the three losses that he had, you know, he had, you know, and people knock those losses. But you're looking at Masvidal, uh, Robbie Lawler and Darren Till. But the things that I that when going into that Till fight. I really didn't like what I, you know, he's, you know, almost didn't sound like he didn't care, you know, it was, Hey, I don't even know who he is. And, and, and that is kind of, you know, that's, that's kind of Cerrone, you know, right. that's kind of thing, you know, and I, and I get that he's, you know, doing wakeboarding during camp and he's doing all these other things. So that's, that's his thing and it's work for him. But over those last three fights has just really, really impressed me the way that he just, and, and, and a lot of people are, ta- are talking about because of his, you know, his son and his son being born and maybe that just totally refocused him. But even in this in there where he started getting these wins and he beat Mike Perry and he beat Alexander Hernandez, who who I was another guy that was pretty high on, um, you know, uh, but the ally Quinta fight to me was a big stamp on where he's headed. And, you know, you know, I, Ally Quinta overall is a great fighter. Great. Um, you know, I thought this would be a tough uh, matchup for him, but one sided matchup, in my opinion there, the way that he was able to work his combinations, the way that he was able to take him from beginning to end and really just outlast uh, Iaquinta. I like what I saw there, but with Ferguson being out, um, and with and not even to get into the personal issues and and the things that happen outside of the cage, but is that could that be part of his focus? Could that really hinder what he's looking to do? And and you know the mental health issues and you know the multiple ish, um, surgeries and all. I mean that's a lot to take in for anybody at any point. But then you've got the eleven fight win streak. You've got he's beaten you know high level guys throughout his career. You know the the. The point here is that I like the the plus money here on Cerrone. You know, I think that, you know, he looks like he's improving after every single fight that he's elevating. And I think, honestly, that the talks with the fact that, hey, maybe maybe you're going to fight Connor. Maybe you're going to fight Connor. I think that even more was like a dangle of the carrot to him that, you know what, I'm, I'm getting closer. Like he always, I think, was very, you know, not complacent, maybe not be the right word, but he was just, you know, he, it was kind of a paycheck to him. I think he even kind of openly was saying that, like, hey, it's, you know, I, I love to fight. I love to fight. It was never I'm making a title run. I want this guy. He was just like, whoever they put me in there with. I'm willing to fight them. And now I feel like the title, he's talking more title talk now. He's talking about I, – I just – there's just a lot more going on for him positively than for Ferguson. So for Ferguson being the the um, uh, the favorite, yeah, maybe I would shift it a little bit. But it, it's it, – you know, you've got so many great things on Ferguson. And obviously I'm pulling a lot of things outside of the cage 
and putting them inside of the cage a little bit. But I like Cerrone here. I think that he outlasts him for three rounds. And that Ferguson has been dropped by lesser strikers. I think Cerrone has an opportunity to go out there and get this win in the people's main event. Yeah, he definitely does, man. He definitely, you know, seeing him slip into a head kick, Tony slip into a head kick wouldn't surprise me. And it would really suck, too, uh, for, for a Tony Ferguson story. It's great for, for Donald Cerrone because, again, these are two guys that one is, in, in my opinion, you know, the uncrowned lightweight champion. And the other is a, a guy who we all want to see become champion eventually in any division, which is Cerrone. Um, but it, it, it's tough, man. You, you know, the, the intangibles make it tough, and I try not to stay away from intangibles, but I believe they are, they are going to be – how? We don't know. Mm-hmm. But they are going to be a factor for this fight. So I don't blame you by taking a lot of things outside of the cage and bringing them in. And that's all, But that's been the hard part about me with Cerrone. I feel like he's always been a tough fighter for me and many others to pick because you don't know what you're going to get, you know, which is why those intangibles can be so misleading. You gave some examples earlier, right? Um, with his attitude interviews and whatnot. And yeah, that's kind of how he is, but it's such a wild card. So I always just tried to stick to it stylistically, like southpaws and pressure, for the most part, is what seems to beat Cerrone, the common thread. And some of those things have changed. He's dealt with pressure a lot better. Um, but certain types of pressure and certain types of southpaws, I think, still give him trouble, even the best Cerrone. Uh, that being said, the last couple times I picked against him was because of intangibles. And I'm usually not that guy in general. And specifically, some of them were, you know, you're fading a guy because he's getting old and whatnot toward the end of his career. And uh, I'm usually not that guy for anybody. And I will admit, a lot of those was the pick there with with Hernandez. Especially, you know, you got the interviews, he's slew and that stuff. And I'm usually not swayed by that. But I was also pretty high on Hernandez and heard some really good things on the inside from him before. And that was also not just a fade, like Sony's getting older. I also, I was fading him at lightweight because of the the cut. You know, he looked miserable uh, before that Hernandez fight. And even though he won... And look good. You look at the replay. It looks like a skeleton. Like when he's throwing knees, like you just see his all his ribs are exposed. Like it looks gross. Like this is him rehydrated the day after. And I'm like, man, I don't know. He might have outgrown this weight class. So, you know, and and then you put him against a guy like Al. And again, this is one of those things where I say it all the time in this podcast. And hopefully the listeners catch on when I get like this because I'm always right when I'm when I'm second judging my pick in a certain way and I, and I should have stuck him up to my gut cuz I'm like my initial pick was I couldn't help but seeing that, that that traditional intercepting knee anybody 5'9 or lower you know gets eaten up by that thing you know unless you're like 5'10 or above and I guess Al is technically 5'10 though he looks like a 5'9 and he crouches to a 5'7 when he fights right you right, get yeah. sliced and diced by that or you get eaten up by that knee and that check knee and that's what was hitting him all night up uh, he was just getting hit up he was just getting abused up the middle but Al was another guy where I was kind of always wrong on. So, yeah, a little long-winded there. But, yeah, it, it, it makes me very hesitant, uh, although I do have a play on this fight, and I'll tell you what it is. I'll, I'll lead into it here in a second. But uh, it makes me very hesitant. But at the same time, you know, for people that know me, uh, you know, my bias on the other side is that Ferguson is one of my favorite fighters to break down. And like I said, man, like this guy, you know, he, de- he, he, he it's like he deserves to win, which is the exact reason why Cerrone – could could probably win this fight, um, <laughs> but but you know you look at the eleven fights that who he's beaten like he, so some of those guys are the same guys as, as Khabib but he beat them when the, before Khabib uh, when they were at a, at more of a better time and he beat them more impressively than Khabib uh, and people are looking at Tony's activity or this or that and it's like yeah he's missed a lot of fights uh, from from injuries but like he he's been active as shit and the only loss he has is a split decision loss to Michael Johnson where he 
where he uh, busted his forearm, you know? Like, I, I think active or not, like, you could put it against Max Holloway's winning streak, and uh, it's just, you know, it's, it's competitive with that, even though Holloway's winning streak's not active, or other streaks that are active, like Khabib's, at least for the UFC streak. You'd be like, oh, Khabib's undefeated. Well, I'm like, well, a lot of those were outside of the UFC against guys with losing records, but neither here nor there. If we're looking at just the UFC winning streaks, alive or past, Tony Ferguson is one of the most impressive ones, and if he beats Cerrone, it's like, how do you not fucking... He's the first guy to the vacant title. Never lost a yeah. damn thing. Out, dude, the yeah. dude gets the toughest path, and nobody's talking about him. And I don't want to be the guy that's saying, nobody's talking about this, and I don't want to be Mr. After the Fact, but this is something that I've been championed for a minute. But at the end of the day, I had to put that aside, Kyle, and I'm like, this line is close for a reason. It probably could have been line maybe 3-1 to one spread with Tony favored, but I think people agree with you, and that's why we're seeing this line shrink toward the day. But at the end of the day... Like I said before, even a good cowboy, you know, jabs, fighting southpaw, relentless pressure, attitude intangibles, guys that don't give a fuck. Those four things are the things that have always troubled him early to late in his career. And those four things Tony Ferguson has in spades, particularly pressure. No one brings it like him. I think it's going to look very similar to that Josh Thompson fight where he's slicing and dicing. Uh, his way, uh, Cerrone's durable, but I honestly think this could be one of the first times Cerrone gets submitted. Uh, I, I think, and it's going to be an attritive one. I think he's going to break him down in the second round with the pressure after surviving some close scares. But could Cerrone catch him on the way before that with a head kick? Absolutely. Maybe even a counter right hand. Counter right hands have been a big culprit for Tony Ferguson. So um, it could definitely go a bunch of crazy ways. Maybe I'm going a little bit my heart here, but I, I sprinkled a little bit. I'll be honest. And this is what I, I sprinkled Ferguson inside the distance at plus two Oh four could be strikes, could be a submission if he wins, but it's probably going to be inside and also round two, which is a low number for round two. I think everybody's on the same page here with Tony, um, that even though round three is not out of the question. Uh, so that's going to be round three is going to be a cowboy strongest round on paper between the two. All right, man. Well, I, and and what was the inside the distance for for, for Ferguson? Uh, two plus two hundred four. Round two plus six twenty five. Usually, round two should be like plus eight hundred to one thousand for, for, for is what they usually open at, and what they should usually stick around to if you're going to even be that juicy to or that degenerate, I should say, to hit those props. <laughs> but yeah, I, I, uh, uh, I do have a do I have a oh I do have a round three coming up later. Uh, easy there, Derek Love. But yeah, this is my. Uh, <laughs> Shout out to the listener there. This is my round two prop. But uh, anything else to say on this matchup? No, I think we uh, I think we covered it. All right. Next fight, Peter No Mercy on minus three thirty five right now with a comeback on the underdog Jimmy Rivera plus two seventy five. Again, Kyle, what do you think about this line and what do you think about the fight? I mean, I think this line seems a little crazy. Um, this one's, I, I think, way, way. I think it should be definitely more on the the Tony Ferguson uh, Cerrone line, a minus one seventy five. You know, the, you know the plus, uh, you know, plus one forty. You know, kind of range in there. But um, you know, just looking at their past fights, I mean, I, I mean, Yan is has got. You know, I mean, he he looks great. I mean, I gotta say, you know, his explosive combinations, the way that he's able to uh, selectively throw his strikes. I like what I see overall there, but the thing that I looked at just as the competition level of where these guys and just saying their their records within the UFC, you know, uh, you know, you've got one and three, 
and one, two and two, and then you've got uh, against Dodson. He, um, you know, Dodson is two and four out of his last six. So just that before I even look at you know stylistically, to me that already to me I- I'm not sure how you get to a, a minus three fifty. And then you've got someone like Rivera who has fought for a very long time against some very, very formidable opponents. You know, Pedro Munoz he beat. You know, he ended up beating Almeida, Uriah Faber, lost to Marais, which was, uh, you know, a a 30-second fight, Um, beat Dodson. I I mean, I I think that, you know what, you know, Yen has a lot of capability. Um, I like what I see from him, his pressure. But I think that – I think Rivera, although I am not going to be placing a bet on this fight – I think Jimmy Vera is a live dog here. Um, I would say that Jan should win this fight, but I think that Rivera, if you're looking at just odd side of things, I, I think that at plus 275 is a position where it's a, a, a spot where you should have some kind of exposure. I like that his endurance, his wrestling, if he wants to use it, and his aggressive style also. I think this is going to be a fireworks, this kind of fight. I think it's going to be an exciting fight to watch overall. But I, I think Rivera, though, I, I mean, I'm not sure how you're going to be breaking this down, but I, I just – I'm not sure how you get to a minus 275 with Jimmy Rivera. I mean, I understand that Al Jermaine Sterling fight was not a good fight for him. And then, you know, the fight before that against Marais. And now we see what's happened with Marais and, you know, where he's headed. So, uh, you know, I, I like Jimmy Rivera here with the plus money. But for me, it's a stay away play for me. But if I had to pick just as a as a play, I would go Rivera. That's not a, that's not crazy at all, you know. Uh, I, again, Rivera is the guy that I've kind of been alluding to earlier. Uh, the dark horse, I call the dark horse of the division. Uh, I, 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 I was on him and picked him on that fight on Pedro Munoz. That was a fun card, probably one of my better picks and bets cards in general. Chas Kelly coming through on that card, fun times there. <laughs> uh, UFC Fight Night seventy seven, I think. Anyways, but uh, no, uh, but yeah, you know, he was a guy I've been high on for for. For a while, but I think after that Marias loss and then his last loss, I think the public is really down on him, which is why we're seeing that number climb. You know, you're wondering why it's kind of climbing to 350. I think that's why, and it's crazy because I kind of feel the same way, but I don't. But I don't feel for the same way. I, I, the public is obviously generally fickle. The fans are, mm. but uh, for someone as high as I was on Rivera, I took Marias against him. I felt just Marias was. I didn't see him sparking him out so quickly. But I thought he was better built for five rounds to eventually find find the win. Uh, so I actually picked him there, and, and and sure enough, right? And then Jimmy Rivera comes back after that fight, fights John Dotson. Kind of a tricky fight, but I, but I picked Jimmy there. And then against Aljo, where Aljo, I, I go, I pick him, I pick against him. He's another guy I have trouble kind of getting a beat on. But I actually picked Aljo there. I thought he was going to outwork him. He did. But then rewatching it, and you never want to make an excuse because Aljo's been trajectorying, you know, having an upward tra- trajectory. I will talk about him later on the prelim uh, portion of this podcast. But uh, but at the same time, you go and look at it, and Jimmy Rivera, you know, this sometimes has happened. It doesn't show up. He kept dropping his mouthpiece. He was complaining to his corner, just looked dejected. He said, I'm, I'm not here tonight. Uh, his corner was doing his best to fire him up, but it was not something you want to see, uh, you know, especially – a match that just every match is important for your career. You got a ranking to protect. There was a bit of an East Coast promotional turf war. They called each other out, but Jimmy was waiting to go to the big show. Uh, Aljo was waiting to go to the big show. Wouldn't fight Jimmy. So you know you, f- you figured Jimmy would have had a lot to prove there, and he just didn't. He just didn't fight for your money. So I think that people are having trouble putting him on there. But that that said, Jimmy Rivera is one of his best shots is his left hook, and I bring that up because. 
the times where Peter Jan's been dropped or hit has been by left hands. And obviously, most recently got dropped by Dotson. I know Dotson is a southpaw, as a, as a complete different style from Rivera. But Rivera, just like that Pedro Munoz fight, when he's got a marauding pressure guy like, like Jan's going to be, he'll sit on the outside. He will wait to counter. And uh, Peter Jan, like in fights with like D- Douglas De Silva, DeAndrage, even, where he looked fucking amazing. Um, even DeAndrage uh, hit him with a couple uh, quiet left hooks there. Left hooks have been kind of one of the shots that seemed to land on Jan. That is Rivera's best punch. So th- if you're a Rivera supporter, that is something worth looking for. Um, do I hate uh, that anybody's taking the shot on Rivera? Uh, no. Do I hate your logic? Not at all. I, in fact, I'll add to your logic here, Kyle. I would say that if you are going to take a shot on Rivera, I would say it's a flyer. And if you're going to take a flyer, why not make it a true flyer? And I would look at either the inside the distance profit plus 850 or what I think is Rivera's most probable way to vi- I don't see him I don't see him outpointing or even using his takedown game because he doesn't have a he doesn't have strong control uh much less a guy like Jan who's a really strong scrambler and wrestler the, the wrestling counter wrestling he was doing was sick the commentators weren't talking enough about it in the Dotson fight but I don't see Jimmy Vera submitting him I don't see him winning a decision because of the grappling Hence, no submission. So, Jimmy Rivera, his main way to win this fight is by TKO. They're giving you plus 1250 odds on that. And, oh my God. and for as good as Jan is, he's been hit clean in, 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 in a lot of, if not almost all of his fights. And he's looking to trade. I mean, I feel like Jan's looking to trade. I mean, he's he's looking to trade. And I like Jimmy striking. I mean, I mean, it, it looked very, very good. You know, three fights ago, and then like you're saying, you know, it's kind of like the recency bias. It's like, well, you're talking about Marais. They keep showing Jimmy get uh, kicked in the head, and you know what I mean. Then everyone remembers Aljo, and you know, then it kind of starts pulling the line that way. So yeah, I definitely see your point there. Right, it could be one of those spots, but at the end of the day, even though I sold that heavy, I'm actually the other way. Um, I don't. I, I, I'm real reluctant to even play parlays myself, which means I'm really. I've been, if you notice, been reluctant giving in on this podcast. But I don't hate people using Yon for parlay fodder because I don't like a lot of angles to play Yon. But the one thing I did sprinkle on Yon, all right, Derek, love you, your spot, is round three plus 2,375. That's a ridiculous high number for a round three finish. I know those are bantamweights, which are why we're getting inflated plus numbers for these degenerate props like inside the distance. But these are bantamweights who can bang. People forget that that, that – Rivera can bang, and obviously Jan can can, can bang as well. Um, if it was anybody with less of a chin, because Dotson, say what you will, the dude has a chin. Anybody else would have been out in that fight a couple of times. It would have been knocked out or stopped or crumpled over. Um, so if you know Rivera sounds confident like he's going into this fight, but he still kind of talks about certain things. We talked about it earlier with Cejudo, and and I think Rivera is one of those guys. He needs he needs it to be perfect. You know, he needs things yeah. to be perfect. I think that's what's kind of been the uh, stumbling blocks for him in negotiations for certain fights. Uh, it's been the stumbling block for him in certain fights, win or lose. And which is why, probably why his style, even though he has those heavy hands that people forget about, it's probably why he goes to the decision a lot, especially later on, because he wants to control things. He's worried about his career trajectory. He wants to win the fight. He wants to control things. And you just can't control a madman like, like Peter Yawn. So I think as the rounds go on, I think that old Rivera that we saw doubting himself could very well come back. Uh, and it could come back by the time that third round hits. So I sprinkled round three for that ridiculous high number. And we are completely on the opposite side. <laughs> no, this is great though. Cause we just got, the, 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 we, we offered really two compelling arguments on two angles, right? I mean, really they're two different angles, but 
It's uh, it, you know, it, it, I feel like Jimmy Rivera early, Jan late, and uh, if you want to, you know, take a side in between, you know, it's it's up to you. Yeah, but uh, that, that that's good. I actually I actually prefer it that way. That's awesome, man. All right, last fight in the main card. We'll, we'll get you out of your car. I really appreciate your time tonight, bud. Um, no we problem. got Tai Tuivasa minus one thirty five. Blagoy, I like boy, even off uh, plus one fifteen. Sorry for my terrible nicknames I give these fighters. What do you think of the, <laughs> about the line in this fight, Kyle? Well, when I looked at just going back to uh, you know they both lost to uh, Junior Dos Santos, and and that was the first thing I wanted to look at just to kind of see what they you know obviously I've seen both of the fights to break it down and you know the the fight went with uh, Ivanov versus JDS. You know it's his it was his debut. It was. You know, Junior Dos Santos was just coming back. And, uh, you know, it was a, obviously a one-sided affair. You know, Dos Santos just kind of picked him apart from the outside. Ivanov, you know, seems kind of more sluggish, you know, you know, one-dimensional with his striking, you know, very, very standard, you know, combinations, at least the, the way I'm taking a look at it. And it was an easy fight for JDS, you know. Uh, you know, I think he won all five rounds. And with Taito Ivasa, although he got dropped and finished in the second round, he did a lot of damage. I mean, there was a lot of damage that he was causing. Early on, he was trading with JDS, and he was winning some of those exchanges, which was a spot that I would not really think you would you would see um, from a guy like Ty. But uh, but overall, I mean, he and even with the leg kicks, I mean, he was landing, and that was a, a, a pain point early in that fight for JDS that he really wasn't able to really put full weight on it. And I I think that's something that he can absolutely do in this fight against Ivanov. And Ivanov, who I feel is more of a sitting target, um, doesn't move around that much. And even against the fight against um, Ben Rothwell, against Ben Rothwell, you know what, he – Early on, he looked pretty good, and then he started to fade later on a little bit. And Rothwell, you know, he just – he looked – I actually thought Rothwell won the fight, um, you know, very close. I mean it was kind of a sloppy, <laughs> you know, uh, fight overall. But but I, but looking at that, I think that Tui Vasa is going to be able to, to do a lot of damage here. And if he does work those strong leg kicks and really soften up a guy like Ivanov who – Again, I, I don't really see much from him offensively. He's kind of the guy that uses his chin as defense. You know, he'll kind of go in there and he'll take the shots. And I feel like it worked very well for him, you know, in, in, the, in the other organizations. I think it worked very well for him um, just because he is a tough guy. And and now at this point, I think that Tuivasa is going to have too much for him. Um, I think the line's kind of, again, it's another one where I think is is, is pretty fair where it's at. Um, but I like Tuivasa here. I think that he's going to have the boxing. I think the big part, again, is going to be the lack of movement that Ivanov presents. And I think that that's where Tuivasa is going to be able to take advantage of. So I like Tuivasa here to get the victory. That's not a bad take at all, man. I think that's the general breakdown of this fight that I think a lot of people are coming to the conclusion to, at least people who take the time and go back and, you know, refresh themselves. Uh, and I did, I, did, I did similar for the same reasons. And I noticed those same things. Those are all very true. However, it's real dangerous, you know, to overlook a guy like uh, Ivanov. And I say that because even a guy like me who appreciates southpaws, who appreciates weird-looking dudes, who appreciates weird <laughs> fighter types, and a guy like Ivanov who... Actually, I watched his road back to recovery on uh, the second half of his career training at Extreme Couture, um, tossing dudes around and just looking like a beast. And I still forget that this guy is a good fighter because of those things you said. He's slow. He's plotty. His, slot, so, his shot selection is very basic. But at the same time, minus the left liver kick 
It's everything you need for a southpaw. It's a counter left and a check right hook. He can do it coming forward. He can do it off the counter. And he can change his levels with it where you do a two to the body and come up high to the head. It's so basic. But if you know your timing on how to come forward, come back, and mix and use those two strikes, it gets you real far. See... Uh, Luke Rockhold. Luke Rockhold actually doesn't really have the counter left. Luke Rockhold just has the uh, left body and head kick and then the, the right hook for the other side. But he got to a fucking middleweight title with basically those two strikes. I mean, you know, the guy barely throws a goddamn jab. Uh, he, he doesn't go for any takedowns in his fight. He's one of the only guys credited with taking Chris Weidman down. Anyways, it's just a weird Luke Rockhold kind of a rabbit hole there. But you know, the, the point is, it's, it's, it's very deceptive on some of these fighters. And when I went back to watch him, I, I, again, I'm with you. I thought ben, I picked Ben Rothwell. Granted, there was some bias there. It wasn't a confident pick. But I also scored it for Ben Rothwell, and I was like, what the fuck? And a lot of people did, I think because of the momentum. You saw uh, Blagoy going backwards, and he was taking breaths. But ironically enough, his pace, punch-wise, and his urgency actually went up as the fight went on. Uh, but because it went up, and because he doesn't look impressive when he's just standing there breathing, he doesn't, uh, as, as Chad Dundas would say, he doesn't look good getting off the bus in the first place. So <laughs> if he's if he's in a hard fight... He's probably already going to look more tired than he is. And then when his corner, like Javier Mendez, was calling for more output, and he actually was giving him more output, of course he's going to look even more tired. So it's one of those things that's like he looks even more tired, but he's actually putting more output. Not exactly the same, but a similar argument for people that thought maybe Souza might have won against Kelvin Gastelum in Brazil, if you remember that fight. Souza was actually coming forward and landing ridiculous amounts on hard shots on Gastelum, but Gastelum had a tough chin, so he was wearing it well. Whereas Souza, even though he was coming forward and landing, he looks so goddamn gassed that body language is huge um, for judges, right? Oh yeah, oh yeah, definitely. Well, and and even in that spot though, I mean, you so you had Rothwell though. Yes, you had yes, but, but 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 here's the thing: they they play the stats after it, and it actually shows. I'm like, oh wow, rounds one and two because I gave like I, I believe I gave two I gave and two three. And three. And yeah, two, three. Yeah. I might have, I might have actually given, I might have barely edged all three rounds initially for Rothwell, but they show the stats after, and you see that round one actually has the biggest differential. Round two was close, but even off technically won those both rounds. I know stats don't mean everything, and I'm a big anti-stats guy. I seldom reference them. I think they're very misleading, uh, and they can be very, you know, lazy at certain points to make your argument. Uh, but those numbers aren't exactly confirmed. You have to wait about 24 hours, uh, whether you know this or the listeners, just to educate the listeners. Um, and like those stat, those fight metrics uh, websites, they will be updated. And the updated stats actually showed even more of a differential in Ivanov's favor. Again, not an end-all, be-all with the numbers, but just kind of to prove the point how close that fight was and rewatching it. You're like, yeah, he did. He did, even though he got his eye swollen up, um, it almost looked like a thumb in the eye that did it. Uh, and he didn't get the call, and, had, and was forced to fight on. Whereas he was, ble- he was, he was, you know, drawing blood off of uh, Ben Rothwell, which also scores big. And uh, so, you know, you, you know, that fight aside, though, just looking at Evenoff in general, you know, he does, his urgency worries me. He's not the most physically impressive, but this guy has never been stopped, and he has been hit with his defense has been suspect at times. It has gotten better, his movements got a little bit better, but he's just not the most mobile guy. But he's so goddamn durable. I mean, the guy's been stabbed in the heart. He's been hit flush with JDS right hands. And he barely yeah. fucking moves. And <laughs> yeah. if you look at Taitu Ivasa, and I'm like, Taitu Ivasa is going to be another guy who thinks I hate him. Like, I've, I picked him again to beat, like, the Surreal Sor- Askers and the Rashad Coulters of the world. But when I would do research for those fights, there's a fight that doesn't show up uh, on his MMA record because it wasn't an MMA fight. It's this weird organization where they do, like, 
Muay Thai uh, with MMA gloves in a cage. And I forget, there's this Australian guy, Peter. It was a, he was an older gentleman, like in his 40s, and he comes from like a karate base. And I'm not saying that to shit on him. He's a, he's a real experienced guy. And he essentially just survived the storm of a young Tai Tuivasa who gassed out. This was a really out of shape young Tai Tuivasa, so you shouldn't condemn him from this. But I saw this, and I'm like, this guy's never been out of the first round. And I love fading guys that have never been out of the first round because I just we put too much hype into that. We need to see more. It's called sample size people. And right. the one sample size I did see him going out of the round, he just broke and got TKO'd. So when he fought Andre Arlovsky, I was the only one on junkie staff picks to take him. Now, he, he ended up winning that fight, but I would argue I looked less crazy for taking the plus 385 or whatever he was as an underdog. You know, I, he made that fight a lot closer. Uh, you know, Arlovsky did. Oh, um, definitely. Oh, and, definitely. And we saw even Arlovsky, who, you know, doesn't throw a lot. Even just with his activity, that was enough to make it a close fight. Uh, even with his kind of non-committalness that he's been struggling with being consistent, was still able to bust open uh, Tai Tuivasa really badly. Um, and so I, so then I pick him against JDS because I'm like, you know, JDS has been kind of hit and miss too. Some fights, you know, he looks great like the Ben Rothwell and he looks terrible against Alistair, you know. But I think he's got whatever his curriculum, let's just say, I think he's got it figured out. Um, so I take him in Australia and sure enough, it's a, like you're right. He he does damage on JDS, kind of showing that like, he watched the, uh, uh, like you know he 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 watched some footage and thought the leg kicks were going to be there, and it was really nice. But I don't know if those leg kicks are going to be there against Ivanov, who is a southpaw. And mm-hmm. furthermore, speaking of the southpaw stance, JDS did hit Taitu Ivasa pretty clean as well, and Taitu Ivasa has a good chin, uh, and he took JDS's shots really well, but. The shots that you know you don't see is what doesn't hurt you, and I think that's what really caught him off surprise because JDS got off to that angle. But not only did JDS get off to an angle, if you look at the the three shots that put him down, because it's a sequence of three shots as he's stepping off, all three of those shots JDS was delivering from a southpaw stance, and it was essentially that check right hook um, that Ivanov hits everybody with. Like 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 even guys that are supposed to be better strikers than him, um, he's always tagging people up with that lead right hand. Again, very non impressive, not a lot. There, but I couldn't help but seeing it. So like, I think everybody but me and, and somebody else to peek behind the curtain at the junkie staff picks is on tie to Ivasa, and it it could be a very safe pick for me to take that man uh, as far as you know the standings go. But I can't go against what my eyes see, man. And it's one of those things. I think it's just there's just that hype is still everyone's still hyped up on these young heavyweights. We're we're so quick if we see an athletic young heavyweight with just a glimpse of skill. We, we want to put our hopes and dreams in him, man, you know? Whether it's a regional thing, uh, like an Australian guy, whether it's a football thing, oh, look at this Greg Hardy guy, whatever. It's like we're, we're looking for that hope so hard that I think we miss a lot, you know, I don't know, man. I'm not saying the line is wrong, but you're going to give me plus money for the guy that, that should win the fight because Tai Tuivasa is not going to submit him. He's only won one decision by the skin of his teeth in his whole career. He's only been to one decision his whole career. Whereas even off, it's like, He's got a perfectly even max mix of submissions, TKOs, and decisions. The dude's never been stopped. The guy's stabbed in the heart, and he's still going. <laughs> I, until he gets stopped, I'm going to take even off here. It's like you're saying. It's my eyes. I see him. And I just I know. Can't. It's hard. And when I saw, even when I saw him against Junior Dos Santos, I'm like, I'm like, whoever this guy fights next, 
I'm betting against him. He like, always I'm, looks like he's digest. He's in the middle of digesting a meal, right? He's always like, he's like, he's like, he's like fighting that. You know when you get heartburn? And you get a burp out. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. That's the exact thing. Like he, he also has that look on his face, like they like, they like me, me hamburger, please. Yeah, don't and, 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 leave me alone. And that's even, and that's exactly even, even after the Rothwell fight, and because I had Rothwell too. And he lo- I said the same thing. I said, whoever he fights next, if it's somebody that's, you know, obs- I'm doing it again. I'm going against him again. I, 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 there's, I just can't see this guy going far. But, like, I mean, I mean, to your point, I mean, <laughs> there are a lot of points that you just made that definitely uh, head towards Ivanov. But I just – I can't see Tuivasa losing this one. I, I, I don't know. I can't see it. Either way, I don't think either I don't think either side can be too comfortable though, right? It's one of those heavyweight <laughs> yeah, fights. <laughs> no, no, not at all. Awesome. I was really curious if you're taking that. I'm glad, man. This is awesome. Th- thank you for doing this, Kyle. And I'm I'm I, I'm glad we had opposing tapes. Trust me, it, it makes for better analysis, a better podcast. And uh, this was this was fun, man. Yeah. No, I appreciate it, man. Anytime, uh, I'd love to come back on. Cool. Well, I kept it way longer than I promised, so hopefully, uh, you know, it's like, it's like taking a girl out and you you bringing her home late and the, you know. <laughs> If, if dad lets you come out again, then, then I'll just say, uh, you're welcome back on the pod anytime, my friend. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Hey, man, I appreciate it. I definitely do. And, uh, hey, it's always a pleasure talking to you. And, uh, you know, keep your stuff going. And, uh, you know, I'm a fan of your stuff as well. All right. Follow Kyle over on Twitter at KyleAnthonyUFC. There's links to his betting profile and YouTube channel there. Thanks, Kyle. And on with the show. <laughs> And we're back right here on the Protect Your Neck podcast for the prelims of UFC 238. Big thanks again to Kyle Anthony for joining me for the main card. That was fun. We're going to push on through and looking at the time, and we got to get out of here probably under 25 to 30. Going to shoot for under 25 uh, to push on through to the prelims. And, of course, as per usual, we will recap uh, at the end and timestamps throughout. All right, top of the prelims, we have... Uh, Tatiana Suarez, minus 850 is your big second big favorite on the card. Uh, versus Nina Ansaroff, come back on her, plus 575. Um, you know, interesting fight. Uh, you know, it, it could be a little tighter, but I get I get why. You know, uh, I'm just as high as everybody else is on Tatiana. Uh, I didn't hear anything about her prior, and I didn't watch the Tough Series, admittedly, so I didn't, you know, stumble onto her. Uh, like till most fighters, till their first, uh, you know, big, you know, main UFC fight, uh, official UFC fight, and uh, just immediately impressed. Just her cradle series and front headlock series, and she's a real big fan of that in wrestling. It really translates through. Um, but yeah, I, I do predict her, for her to be a future champion, like like many. Sure, but we have to remember we can't. What's the saying? I don't know if the saying. I'm probably getting it wrong. Hopefully, I'm at least using it in the right context. But we don't want to put the cart before the horse or whatever that saying is, um, because she still has to get there. She still has to connect those dots. Uh, she reminds me kind of like an Aljamain Sterling, an early Aljamain Sterling, uh, less dominant, you know, because Aljo, even though he was winning, was more of an evasive style. But at least on the feet, you know, she's going from southpaw, and I don't even know if she's a southpaw. I think that's probably just. A probably a wrestling stance mixed with uh, B. More importantly, it's just it's a great stance for distancing, especially if you don't want to strike, you want to control distance. And she kind of does that. She uses a lot of lead leg kicks, and she throws them with authority. So she makes sure to get respect with it, even if it's just for you know a couple exchanges, like in the Grasso fight. Um, 
So it, it, that still needs to come along, but I'm also not going to overly criticize her because she seems to know her distance well all the way in or all the way out. Um, and she's going to have to do that against uh, Ansaroff. Though the kicks aren't really going to phase Ansaroff. Ansaroff obviously comes from a Taekwondo background. And, uh, you know, I come from a Taekwondo background. You know, you can't take it too seriously because there's fucking, you know, schmucks like me uh, out there. But no, no, in all seriousness, though, you know, I, she, she, I think she's got to like a third degree, which tells me like, oh, she took it seriously. Uh for what it's worth, old Dan Tom here, even his kid competed at the national level, but that's neither here nor there. Uh, but so, nevertheless, she's actually gone away from the taekwondo. It's not a, a, a big style to flex on, so hopefully you, you, you sense the sarcasm in that previous flex. But the point is, relevant to this breakdown, uh, I don't know how much that's going to phase it. More importantly, Ansaroff's boxing really took a step up, uh, especially in her last fight. Hey, Benjamin is making noise over there. Um, Especially in her last fight, she really showed that uh, her jabs and her uppercuts, and that's like the main thing you're going to need against a pressuring wrestler. So uh, Ansaroff's really going to have to look out for that. Uh, jabs, uppercuts, knees and front kicks. Um, and yeah, you know, for someone who's, you know, talking about retirement and starting a family, sorry, it's Benjamin over there drinking water. He, he waits to do these things until I record the podcast. Um, by the way, it is morning time. If I didn't, didn't already give myself away, uh, I, I, uh, by the, I had some prelim touch-up to do, and then uh, by the time I, I finished that, I'm like, ah, I'm just tired. I'm going to go sleep and record in the morning. So still, we're still getting earlier, folks. We're still getting over 48 hours before the car. That's that's good for the Protect Your Neck podcast. Anyways, pushing forward. Um, yeah, you know, she, she shows a lot of improvements, and that's kind of crazy for a fighter, you know, talking about being halfway out. We'll, we'll get to that later. Um and, and so I got to imagine, you know, just, I mean, she's at the best gym in the world, uh, arguably, and especially for women. So, yeah, I mean, to, to counter out, she looks in better shape each time out. Like, the flexibility and balance she showed in the takedown uh, defense in her last bout. Granted, Suarez is going to be at a different level. But but the point is, I mean, if you remember, you know, earlier on in her UFC career, coming back from the knee injury, she had all the wraps. She kind of looked unstable and was just, like, throwing kicks out there, but was kind of like a deer on wobbly legs. Like... Those issues look gone. She, her balance is really well. So I'm still picking Suarez here. She's probably going to force the tap, uh, put her in a position and force it. But I I, I don't think, for whatever it's worth, it's going to be as easy. So maybe that's why they're a little hesitant to put this over-under line, at least on dimes I'm seeing. Because, yeah, that's going to be tough to say. I think Ansaroff's going to go deep into it and really make uh, Suarez work if she wants to get the finish. But ultimately, I'll side with, side with Suarez is wrestling. All right, uh, next up, uh, Aljamain Sterling, uh, Pedro Munoz. Uh, Aljamain Sterling, favorite, minus 105. Munoz, plus 105. Kind of surprised, but maybe like people have been burnt enough by picking against Sterling. Because that's kind of been the case with me. Although, I picked Aljamain Sterling to beat uh, Jimmy Rivera. And you guys all know, kind of like I said in the previous breakdown, um, how high I was for a long time uh, on Rivera. So... Again, it's, it's nothing against... I really like Sterling. I just sometimes I have, I have a certain beat on his matchups. And usually I just thought that, you know, pressuring box, pressuring guys who can kind of box and grapple were always going to kind of be his kryptonite. And, you know, cash big on the caraway hit a couple years ago and, and, and thought I'd keep trying that luck. And sure enough, man, Sterling bounced back from adversity. Uh, God bless him because that was a scary knockout. But... Uh, and, and kind of beat those stereotypes, you know. Uh, Brett Johns may have been overinflated, sure, but I and many picked him, and uh, 
and, and Johns was game, but he he just couldn't hold. And 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 Sterling keeps showing you know improvements even within his boxing range. Where you know it's funny, Jimmy Rivera scoring it. Come on, he fucking sucks from there. <laughs> Knock him out. That's <laughs> fine. Oh jeez, but um, and I I don't want to take too much away from Sterling either, but. You do have to look like, you know, wow, Jimmy Rivera was kind of off in that fight, but, you know, da-da-da-da, was, was part of that it. Because uh, Jimmy Rivera was really off, regardless of what you think. I mean, and again, I picked Sterling to win, so it, it's not that it was winning as a surprise there. Uh, again, not taken away from Sterling, but just kind of things you got to put together. And, and this fight I had a hard time deciding on, guys. I, I actually had it on my fights to avoid list, but I crossed it out because you can arguably... Because the line's playable on both sides. Not only is the line playable, but even though it's a real hair puller for me where I kind of get lost in the minutia, and I'm already lost in the minutia, but at the same sense, you can actually make a strong argument that either either guy is the antithesis for the other. Um, you know, you could say, yes, Dan Sterling has improved against, you know, pressuring guys who can box, you know, but Munoz is it kind of a different cat as far as his, his chin, not that Sterling is the biggest knockout threat by any means, but as far as, you know, his chin and his confidence to keep pushing forward, uh, counter kicks and, you know, from his Muay Thai uh, experience with uh, Rafael Cordero to working down at American top team with all the different types of low kicks and calf kicks, he's getting seen thrown at him there. I got to imagine he does pretty well. I mean, taller guys certainly has never really done much again, uh, you know, dissuaded him, you know, uh, the Matt Hobars of the world from early on in his career, and now his stand-up is, you know, only getting better, even though his defense has always been suspect. And I've always picked guys who can counter, but usually guys to counter with authority. That being said, Munoz's chin kind of spoiled all those plans because then he would just pressure guys so they panic like a Rob Fawn or um, uh, uh, Scoggins as well, I believe. I don't have it in front of me. And then, you know, um, or he just, you know, just takes even guys like Cody Garbrandt's shot and then knocks them out which obviously Cody Garbrandt got cut, got crazy in that fight like Cody tends to do. So, yeah, um, I, I kind of went back and forth. Uh, I went on Sterling, then I went back to Munoz. And, look, I'm, I'm almost like I'm almost second-guessing myself. I'm like, I'm forgetting, wait, 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 did I settle on Munoz? Uh, I forgot. Um, actually, yeah, I, I, I'm actually going to take uh, Munoz here. Um, but it's not confident. It's on my kind of personal avoid list because I'm actually avoiding it, even though I'm taking the dog and there is a plus number there. Uh, I'm just a little nervous, you know, like part of me is like, you know, Sterling's talking about, you know, uh, the FDNY, uh, this year and tryouts coming up, getting ready for that. He's also in the process of getting his real estate license. But then at the same time, he's it sounds very confident and dialed in on Munoz to where he's actually talking about, I'm going to Pedro Munoz, Pedro Munoz, and guillotine him. And I know that's going to make a lot of you go, ha, 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 laugh. But, you know, it could be a good thing, too. It could be a bad thing, sure. But it could be a good thing, too. This guy is so dialed in, you know. Um, Matt Sarah was talking about in his podcast how so they made sure to address his specific guillotine threats. Um, he's got the team around him to make sure that happens. Man, uh, you know, I could totally see a Sterling, you know, just playing it smart and uh, outpointing. And even if those grappling opportunities he's thinking about don't come up, you know, or what if he decides to wrestle Munoz? He's really confident as far as they solve the guillotine that way to not get caught into it. And then he plays some top game. It's a whole different game then, you know. Pedro's good at no gi and he's got the guillotine. But after that, I'm not going to trust Pedro's guard on, on a guy like Sterling. Um. But at the same time, you know, uh, Munoz is only training with more, 
even more world champion uh, jiu-jitsu guys down there at American Top Team. His wrestling is only getting better. And again, the striking is getting better. He's just, he seems like a man on a mission. He seems really pissed off. And again, that could, could that be a bad thing? Does that throw off a guy like Munoz? But Munoz seems to kind of have an intensity about him anyways. You know, he's, he's one of those guys that talk about like, oh, I need to uh, get hit to wake up kind of a dude. And you almost see that. Like he almost like is slapping himself to the, to the point because he's a really nice guy, but he brings out this really mean temperament when he fights. And maybe uh, Sterling's doing it for him. Um, I picked against both guys begrudgingly. I picked against more guy, uh, these guys more than I should. So either way, it's going to feel like a loss for me. I'm going to go with Munoz, the dog. Uh, take your shot if you feel like it's there. But there, that, that's, that's my take. I'm sorry. I hope it was helpful, but I'm lost in the minutiae on that fight. Uh, we got Carolina Kovalkiewicz, minus 115. Alexa Grasso, minus 105. Um, I'll... Uh, Love me some Kovalkiewicz, man. She's, uh, you know, she's uh, she's she, 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 she's she's top five for uh, Dan Tom's favorites there. As far as uh, uh, you know, she's a good-looking girl. Is what I'm trying to say. But you got to be able to separate that as well. I'm not just bringing that up because I'm a creep, but also it's relevant. I feel like you know she's kind of she's gotten a bit of a push, some favorable matchups, favorable fights, etc. And uh, now the odds are finally coming down to earth a bit on on the Kovalkiewicz. Don't get me wrong. She was big dogs against people that she should have been, like like Gedalia and so forth. But I feel like the general population and the odds are all starting to kind of line up the more we see of her. And we have Grasso. We haven't seen much. I mean, we haven't seen her since last year. And that was a one-round, you know, again, with, with, with uh, Suarez. It uh, looks like she's been really hitting the mats, though. You know, she's been getting ranked up, up to purple belt now. Hopefully, she's been working her wrestling as well, um, because I think you know, uh, it, uh, that's going to be the thing here. I think she's got better. Well, Kavalkevich has good, good defense on paper, but it, lately she's been the takedown she has succeeded has been later in her career, and so from take, succeeding takedowns to just. Getting obviously getting knocked out from being a durable uh, girl to like hurting girls less. You know, she also had these ridiculously heavy hands, I think, what got her through. They don't look heavy because she looked like she was just kind of pitter pattering her way in there. But she also had deceptively heavy hands. I mean, look at the girls' faces from like Fari over KSW in a way and Invicta in her debut fight against uh, what she did to uh, Heather Joe Clark's face and less of that. And just looking overall, just less impressive. and you know she is getting older and i don't i don't know she, she looked at her, her, her instagram she's just you know training at the same place shark team poland taking the same pictures the girl selfies and then the i'm dressed up and i don't i don't see a change of course i'm not hating by any means i love me some carolina but i do not see a change of course i'm going to expect the same carolina uh whereas alexa Grasso, I think, uh, already kind of has a style to contend. She's definitely got that Mexican chin. She's got some pop and power of her own. Also has the great fight against Inoue there in Invicta FC. So I think it's going to be a fun fight, but I actually take Grasso, and I think she opened as a dog, and now it's tightened up. So I, I can see why there. Um, so uh, unless it goes back to plus money, uh, I'll take a shot on Grasso. Otherwise, I'll stay away and just uh, enjoy that one. Hope it's a good fight. Uh, next fight, Calvin Keita. Calvin Keita. Uh, minus 150, uh, Rick Lamas, plus 130. He came into this f uh, favoring Cater. You know, ever since Cater just proved me wrong in that Feely fight um, and just interviewing him, really like this guy, man. I still like him. I really like him a lot. You know, just, just uh, uh, you know, his, his win against Fishgold perhaps didn't you know, age that well, but he did what he had to do to that guy. So, uh, you know, and he fought pretty smart. You know, you might say, oh, we got him get some shots off. I'm like, well, 
you want him to like, fire back right when the other guy's going wild and out, and you have the Cody Garbrandt Munoz situation. So, you know, Cater did what he needed to do. He's uh, training at Lozon, so I'm hoping he's getting those opportunistic submission looks because Ricardo Lamas looking to smarten up a bit, really emphasize and not hiding it. Uh, and it looks like he is working his wrestling too. And, you know, that's what he's been doing a lot when he's back home at his UFC gym, it looks like, which is good. The old Frank Yeager approach, stay young, work with the young wrestlers at home, and then you get in your training camp. Uh, his training camp, though, is MMA Masters. Uh, I hear a lot of good things about them, but the one thing I'm not sure about is I just I, I get annoyed seeing the, the naked kick sometimes Ricardo throws. He can get countered for them. Um, I believe... Uh, even Elkins got him, you know, with his last fight, uh, countering off those kicks. You know, you throw naked kicks like that. And you see a lot of their guys do that, like uh, Cesar Fajeda. Um, and I just wonder if, I know Fajeda's got Capoeira, but I just wonder if that's because their striking coach there is really Capoeira based. And it's just, you know, it's one of those momentum things that they're just stubborn on. And it just, it gets their guys fucking countered all the time. Uh, and that's going to be his biggest worry here because Cater, on the other hand, is not shy about what he wants to do, which is, keep Lamas at the end of his punches looking to counter those kicks. So um, that's going to be the point of interest there. Uh, that being said, Lamas, you know, he's you really got to hit him right, man. He's got a tough chin. He's kind of tough to beat a turd. Even in that Max Holloway fight, he landed some of his best right hands and counters uh, in that third round, hitting Max flush uh, a few times. Um, but I like that he's going to push his wrestling. You know, uh, Cater's got really underrated wrestling for, you know, you know, only being a certain rank in jiu-jitsu and not having the traditional wrestling accolades. Like, he's got good grappling when he's on top. He's got great positioning, uh, rides well, uh, knows what he's doing, man. Doesn't get, doesn't overextend himself. But if if Rick Lamas can can force that type of a fight, uh, he's got the, the the edge on paper and also just from what I see physically. I mean, he just looks great there. I mean, just he just was just dancing around. Uh, uh, even a guy like Elkins, who you don't want to grapple. Elkins uses grappling scenarios and scrambles to get back into fights. And what Lamas was doing there, and I think he knew just after those those lo the close loss to Bectic, the, the brutal knockout loss, he had to get back to his roots there. Um, and uh, and I think I think Lamas kind of reminds people he's fighting at home. It'll be old Blackhawks Bruins uh, battle. I know Caters up game for it. I don't feel confident going against them. Uh, I will be honest, though. I did sprinkle very small. I am not recommending you do so. Uh, uh, I very small on the on the plus one thirty on Lamas. He's the pick here, but but it's not um, it's not something I'm going to tell you to follow me off a clip for. In fact, I'm going to caution you from it because it you know I, I just a lot of respect for Cater. I, I just think Lamas does the old vet lesson here. Uh, all right, uh, Yan Jiao Nan minus one fifty five. Angela Hill plus one thirty five. Love Angela Hill. Uh, she has improved her game, you know, as far as the grappling holes. They're not as big anymore. That being said, I don't think Anne John is going to try to use those, though she is probably strong and more competent in that than we probably give her credit for and we see. Uh, I know she's just trained all around the United States. She was in an extreme tour last year. Hard to track where she is through the old social meets. But, uh, yeah, I don't think Angela Hill, even though she's got good movement for her Muay Thai, the targets she's going to like to get aren't going to be too there. That side, I think that side stance and in and out and the explosive punch blitzing, it's going to be huge problems for Angela Hill. Um, I think Yan Jiao Nan is either another dominant decision or possibly even a late stoppage. We, perhaps we see Yan Jiao Nan turn a corner. The odds are giving Angela Hill a lot of respect, and I, I like Angela Hill too, but I wonder how much of that is smart respect and how much of that is you know respect for the the girl we know and and still not sold on the girl we don't you know um 
I'm not going to pretend that, you know, uh, I know the outcome of this fight, but I believe it should be a little wider than this. So for that reason, there's, I'll, I'll take, I'll, I'll take a shot on, uh, my lone chalk play here. Uh, Yan Zhao Nan minus one fifty-five. Uh, I, I put, I threw 1.5 on that. So, all right. Uh, next fight, uh, Bevon Lewis, uh, minus 170, Darren Stewart plus 150. Uh, Bevon Lewis next John Jones, yada, yada, yada. You can see he trains like him, has some kickboxing accolades. But the problem is Bevon Lewis, at least he isn't showing the wrestling and the level changing that John, obviously does not going to have the same level as John Jones has. Who does? But even credential on paper, he doesn't have those. Okay, so I'm not, not holding him over the fire for it. He can still very much learn to do those things. But I haven't seen him consistently enough to get him out of trouble spots. Like, for example, with the Uriah Hall fight. I know that kind of came out of nowhere, but... And he did do some clinch stymieing, but, uh, you know, just, just, just to be able to do that, you know, and granted there might have been some gas tank issues, but even if you're tired, you will see guys who have the takedown ability. They'll go to the takedown, secure some time, get their, get their breath, score some points, you know, and, and, and that may be more of a veteran move, and Lewis is young, sure, but you want to see those options at least exercise and, and hope he knows when to go to him down the road. And uh, I still feel like there's a lot of a, a lot of connecting the dots, and he might be getting rushed in here. Maybe not, because there, there's been a word on Lewis for a minute. But uh, but yeah, against Darren Stewart, this guy's a guy I and many have counted out, but he, he keeps coming back, and he seems really uh, focused. And he's kind of that similar guy, like a Hall. He's really durable and just hits like a brick shit house. Can, you know, can come back usually with gas early on. He seems to kind of address that since this dropped down to middleweight. Well, I will say, I didn't realize Stewart's Muslim, but it looks like he's been training through Ramadan. It's been successful before, like guys like Bilal Muhammad, but Bilal doesn't cut a lot of weight. Stewart, I believe, does, because he used to fight a light heavyweight. Um, that may be something to watch out for. That said, I actually, uh, I, I like Stewart here. It's on my avoid list, and I, I didn't take a shot on it either, so it really is on my avoid list. Uh, but I'm actually going to side with the dog here. Uh, I think he's going to weather the storm. Either he's going either going to catch him early or weather the storm and catch him late. I think Bevon Lewis just has to fight a perfect fight, and that's a that's a big ass coming off of a knockout loss. Um, so uh, give me Stewart. All right, Wineland minus 135 versus Grigory Popoff plus 115. Dude, this one is Asian looking uh, Russian guys, huh? He's like he's up there up in like Siberia, where like bordering Mongolia and shit. <laughs> Anyways, uh, Dan, this isn't in, this isn't that podcast, but uh, yeah, I was watching him. He trains at Tiger Muay Thai, older guy, been been fighting Muay Thai for a while, and mainly for a little bit. No one impressive, mainly losing or rookie records at best. So medium most sweet. I like Wineland. Let's get Wineland win. But like Wineland's only been fighting once a year. He's kind of had a foot in and out, kind of like what I was alluding to earlier. Fighters who have that. And he's already retired once, uh, serious injuries with the jaw. But I'm like, well, it's fighting a Muay Thai guy. So what's he going to do there? And I'm like, mm, I don't know how that wide dance is going to go. You know, he's, he can get leg kicked to death. Like, I know Alejandro Perez did, and it wasn't, like, hurting him, but it was enough to score. And and uh, But at the same time, he can also, you know, counter leg kicks because he's low and loaded, Wineland is. So when they throw, he throws that two down the pipe, which he dropped Perez with, although everybody drops Perez, and he still somehow wins the round. Uh, <laughs> anyways, that wasn't that... That wasn't the worst of uh, Perez decisions by any means, but that was still, you know, and he still technically outstruck Wineland on the stats for what that's worth, but, you know, Wineland had the cut, so he's got all that scar tissue. That doesn't look good. You know, uh, his chin, uh, perhaps not as good as it was, you know. Uh, is, is he just fighting out his contract to collect a check? What's going on here? And I like Wineland. I'm not trying to be disrespectful, but it's questions you got to ask. 
uh, if you're, you're you're trying to be really critical here, whether it's for a bet or whatever, what you're doing, you fucking degenerates. But <laughs> but uh, damn, what the hell are you taking shots at people for? <laughs> you're a degenerate. I know. I'm just I'm filling time while I'm trying to look at my notes here, people. I'm sorry. But oh, that's what I'm looking for. But the problem is, it's like what veteran things is he gonna do? And uh, you know, on the feet, he's gonna fight a Muay Thai guy straight up on the feet. Uh, we've seen a guy with not a great pace that's kind of just waiting back and countering like Alejandro Perez, who's not as good as Muay Thai or as um, physically imposing as, as Popoff looks to be on tape. He could fight from both Southpaw and Orthodox, this guy as well. So I'm like, well, maybe Wyland will dust off his wrestling. He's had that before. He surprised Faber with a takedown, right? I'm like, yeah, he did. But the problem is there's only that and only one other takedown he scored while in the UFC and both of it, which were, I think, during Obama's first term in office, guys. That's right. Wineland has not scored a takedown in the UFC since Obama's first term in office. So if you think he's going to do it here, I mean, shit. Good luck, man. Um, I'm actually going to take, and I like Wineland. I'm going to take Popoff here, but no doubt is this on my fights to avoid list. I am not touching this one. Uh, if you are, good luck, but, but Popoff is actually my pick here. Uh, all right, Joanne Calderwood. Uh, last fight, Joanne Calderwood, minus 105. Uh, Jukagan minus 115. I get this too. This is kind of makes sense as well. I think Joanne was a dog and money came in on her. She's my pick as well. I've always been a big Calderwood fan since the beginning, but I think because of her inconsistencies in the house uh, and then the personal dramas that she kind of let bleed over into her career, the cuts, what they did to her body, how she was coming in for fights, camp changes, etc., etc., etc. Not making excuses. Those were real things. And those were real things that put legitimate doubt into supporters of her, whether it be from a gambling or just fan perspective. So uh, she has not been very high and has kind of had to earn her respect and I would argue has been underrated. Um, she's always had these skills, but the skills, which kind of surprised me, are getting better. We haven't had a look good at her top game in a while. I know I was criticizing her body game until she got the Hail Mary submission, but Syndicate really has been putting forward to getting their game, uh, getting their, you know, they're rounding their camp out. Uh, her and Modafferi, really tight bond, great training partner, uh, for grappling, Montefiore also upping her game, you know, by teaching and showing it in her own career. They have my own former coach, Neil Melance, in there. Of course, John Wood always kills it over there, uh, kind of heading things together, um, which is also her significant other, which she can raise eyebrows, but they seem to have a really good chemistry, even drawing compliment from one Trevor Whitman, who's not afraid to pull his punches. I love Trevor in that spot, by the way. Um, so, yeah, I'm actually going to take Calderwood here. She can do everything. It's always been a matter about pulling it together. And I liked it. She got hit with some hard shots, looked a bit doubtful in that Lipsky fight, a fight that she was a ridiculous underdog in. Um, and, you know, there was, and, and, and she could have lost focus there, but no, she fought her way back. And then she starts flowing and flowing. And then it, in three minutes into the round, loses a head and arm throw takedown, is on her back. Like, wow, now she can lose the rest of the round. Like, another opportunity for her to have a mental shutdown, and she doesn't. Um, so I, I compare her a lot to Rose Namajunas. They both draw similar. Com uh, they're both similar in, in in credit and criticism, uh, but I love seeing girls like that uh, persevere and overcome their own adversities and put it all together. Because when they do, they're really amazing fighters. And, and I'm a fan of Chukagin from a betting perspective, from volume, but you know the key eyeing and not really committing and not going for takedowns. Like she actually probably has the better ground game. She does on paper for sure. The brown belt was in jujitsu. And when she's down there, Chukagin's moving really well. She just doesn't use it. So we're not seeing her jiu-jitsu until people are taking her down and scoring on her. And she's either having to try to submit them or scramble back to her feet. Um, and Calderwood, I, I actually think the game is much even if this game ends up on top. And Calderwood is the one on, or on the ground. And Calderwood is the one on top. 
So I don't know if she gets the finish or not. Probably not. But I will take Calderwood to land the more meaningful shots. Um, but uh, that one's also going to be on the avoid list because I think it's going to be really close. You're, you're depending on judges for, uh, for a WMA fight there. All right, going to recap picks and plays here. Starting from the top, I got Marias over Cejudo, Shevchenko over I, Ferguson over Cerrone, Jan over Rivera, Blagoy, Leleg Boy, Ivanov over Taitu Ivasa, Suarez over Ansaroff. Uh, I think I picked Munoz over Sterling, <laughs> Grasso over Kavalkevich, Cater over La- or Lamas over Cater. Wow, Jan over Xiaonan, uh, I should say over Hill. Get it right, the Chinese name. Put the ba- last name backwards. You, you incidents. Uh, taking Stewart over Lewis, Popov over Wineland, and Calderwood over Chukagi and uh, parlay pieces. I, I'm not going to officially give you any, but. You know, as far as chalk, the best chalk I'd say is like Zhao Nan, which I'm playing, and Yan. You put them together, maybe it's not too bad, but I'm not playing anything. I'm not recommending anything officially there. Props, Marais inside the distance. I am playing for one unit, a plus 137. Ferguson inside the distance, plus 204 for one unit, with a little sprinkle on Ferguson round two, plus 625 for a quarter unit. Also, a quarter unit on Yan. Peter Yan, round three, plus two, three, seventy five. Straight plays, Blagoy, I like boy, even off plus one fifteen. Put a unit on him. Yan Jiaonan, minus one fifty five, but one point five units on that. And took a sprinkle, not recommending you do so, but I'm just being honest. I did take a sprinkle on my boy Rick Lamas at plus one thirty for half a unit. Fights to avoid Stewart, Lewis, Popoff, Wineland, Shuhagian, and Calderwood. And uh, thank you all for uh, for joining me. This was fun. I'm glad to have it out earlier. I'm going to really be trying to do this more in the future. And uh, thanks again to Kyle Anthony for uh, joining me. You guys enjoy the fights this weekend. Good luck. And always protect your necks.